Tonight, we skip the music. Tonight, it's all about business. The Miami Hurricanes defeated Pittsburgh Saturday to move to 4-4, four and four, an inch closer to bowl eligibility with four games to go. The Canes are not mathematically out of winning the ACC Coastal and now need two more victories to qualify for a bowl game this season. It was another life-or-death battle until the final whistle, something we've become accustomed to here, something that does not figure to change any time in the near future. The big-picture status of the program has certainly not changed, nor has the mood of the Canes Nation. The man in the middle of all the craziness, in addition to head coach Manny Diaz, is athletic director Blake James. Just 10 months ago, when Mark Rick chose to retire, rather than continue the fight to bring back Miami football to a championship level, James was handed a blank slate. There was very little dead money on the books. He could hire absolutely anybody he wanted to try to turn around the Miami program. He chose Manny Diaz, and Miami's continued struggles this season have created a great deal of angst in the Canes Nation that James might have made a very big mistake, that Diaz might not have the toolbox to do what is an absolutely enormous job here at Miami. They have inspired a whole lineup of very tough questions. Blake James will join us tonight to address as many of those questions as possible. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and I welcome you once again to Canesport Live, presented again this year by Sicilian Oven Restaurants, with six locations throughout the South Florida area. At Sicilian Oven, you will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. As always, this is your show. It'll be driven by your participation, but not directly in the first hour. As we asked the subscribers at canesport.com to post the questions that they would like to hear Blake James discuss on tonight's show. And Blake will be joining us shortly, and we will address those questions with myself serving as the moderator, uh, you know, just to keep good functionality and keep it moving and get as many questions as we can get in in the course of time. So let's set the stage before we bring Blake onto the show. Blake was sitting at church in 2016 when he saw a notification on his phone that Mark Richt had been fired as the head coach at Georgia. And that's when Blake's life as Miami's athletic director immediately changed. The Canes were committed at that moment to spend the money it needed to land a top-tier coach. James was talking to Dan Mullen, Greg Schiano, among others at the time. Rick was intending to sit out a year and recharge his batteries after his firing. But when James called that Sunday and extended his offer to be the head coach at Miami, Rick knew that the job wouldn't be there in a year. 
and it was too good to turn down. Conversely, Richt was just the kind of splash hire that Miami was looking for. With the benefit of hindsight, a lot of people ask now if that hire was a mistake, because everyone at Georgia will tell you that Rick was already burnt out when he was fired. So becoming more burnt out at Miami was really not a surprise to any of the followers of Georgia's program. But James and Rick worked together to absolutely and undeniably transform the University of Miami football program. Year one, and as an extension, year two, were like a fountain of youth for Mark Richt. Pretty much every budget in the program, from assistant coaches to the food the players eat every day, was increased to bring the dollar amounts to modern-day levels. Rick's credibility inspired a magnificent lady named Carol Sofer to make a $14 million seed donation to build the new indoor practice facility that now graces the football facilities on campus. It's the largest donation UM Athletics had ever garnered by far. It's very unlikely that that happens if Mark Richt was not the head coach. So everything seemed on a high in 2017 when Miami surged to 10 and 0 and was on the cusp of the college football playoffs. But it was a mirage. The Canes had won a lot of close games along the way, and things came undone very quickly. Miami lost to Pittsburgh that day after Thanksgiving at Heinz Field, and then lost its next two games as well to Clemson and Wisconsin. The floor caved in last season when the Canes lost five of their last seven games to finish seven and six and were blown out by Wisconsin in the pinstripe bowl game in New York. Three days later, on the morning of December 30th, James received a phone call from Mark Richt informing him that he was retiring. And we're going to talk about that day with Blake in a few minutes. Now, athletic directors do a lot of things in their jobs, but nothing, absolutely nothing they do is put under a microscope more than the coaching decisions that they make with the football program. James provided as, as much support as he possibly could to football, but when Mark Rick walked out on that Sunday morning, he had very little to show for it. Blake James has had a picture-perfect career to this point. He rose from a marketing student at unknown Minnesota State University to the sports administration program at St. Thomas University to athletic director at Miami in 2013. His path along the way took him through the U twice. He started as director of ticket sales before he went to Nebraska to become an athletic development officer. He returned to Miami in 1998 as the director of major gifts and corporate sales 
and was promoted to the Director of Athletic Development at Miami in 2000 before he moved on to Providence College in 2002. Then James spent seven years at the University of Maine where he was Senior Associate Athletic Director before serving as the Director of Athletics from 2005 to 2010. In 2011, he returned to Miami as Senior Associate AD for Development and Ticket Operations. And then in 2013, when Sean Eichhorst, honestly one of the greatest frauds that's ever worked at Miami, walked out to go to Nebraska, where they figured out the same thing relatively quickly, and he's no longer there. He left as athletic director, and Blake James replaced him in 2013. So it really has been a model career for Blake. And along the way, he's built up an extreme amount of collateral with the president and board of trustees. So anybody that thinks that he is going to get fired right now over the current struggles that are taking place, I think is deceiving themselves a little bit. I don't believe that Blake will be fired. I believe that he will be entrusted to make solid evaluations of what's happening in the program. And if he finds out that he made a mistake, to figure out how to correct it. And that's something that we'll obviously be monitoring in the days, weeks, months, maybe years to come. The Miami Athletic Department under James has made a lot of advances in fundraising, ticket sales, and constant facility upgrades. The Hurricane Club has more than 12,500 members now, has doubled since James became the athletic director. In 2018, Miami set a record for season tickets at Hard Rock Stadium, 46,738, and also posted the school's highest average attendance at Hard Rock Stadium of 61,469. Since James took over as athletic director, football season tickets have increased 101%. The last three years, men's basketball tickets have sold out for the first time in school history. This is a thriving athletic department. The success continues to garner both James and Miami national recognition in 2017. James was selected as one of four Division I recipients of the Under Armour Athletic Director of the Year Award. This past summer, he concluded a two-year term as the chair of the NCAA Division I Council, which is the group responsible for the day-to-day decision-making of all Division I athletics. It's a big position. And this year, he was one of five nominees for the 2019 Sports Business Journal Athletic Director of the Year. But right now, as we sit here tonight, most of you out there listening are not real interested in all of that. But I do think that you should know that when the president and board of trustees evaluate James's job performance and his place at Miami, they do look at more than just what may or may not right now be a possible single failure, no matter how tough the times are for everybody to stomach at the moment. That said, James has not been able to get Miami football back on track. And that, I know, is what most people care about 
what most of you listening tonight care about the most. So the morning of December 30th, he was sitting there with that blank slate that I just mentioned. Rick did him and the entire University of Miami community as an extension the most amazing, unbelievable favor I think you'll ever see a human being enact or execute, whatever word you want to use. Something you just do not see in modern-day sports. Mark Richt had about $20 million of contract ahead of him. He didn't have to walk out and leave. He could have, he could have wrote it out, whether he was able to fix the problems Miami was having or not. But he did a favor by saying, I do not have the energy to execute this job anymore. And I think everyone knows what the horrible next chapter was. Mark Rick last week suffered a heart attack. You know, who knows what he was feeling like physically when he walked away in December. Um, But the years of being a coach at the level that he was a coach – I mean, probably took quite a toll on him physically. And that's why he walked away. Well, James could hire anybody he wanted to lead UM football at that moment. There was very little dead money on the books. No barriers, financial or otherwise. It was a situation that an athletic director and a fan base that were absolutely wounded, absolutely wounded, I think, is a, is a, is a good descri- description, from a 7-6 and six season would kill for. It was an opportunity to undeniably hit the reset button. Blake made a very quick decision, didn't hesitate at all, in a matter of a few hours, to hire Manny Diaz, a defensive coach who had done a, a decent job at Miami, good enough to interest Temple into giving him its head coaching job, but with a resume that, in all honesty, did seem a bit limited to land the head coaching job at Miami. When you consider no head coaching experience, no championships on that resume, no great recruiting track record of significance, you know, relatively average results on the field, a firing at Texas, the biggest job that he had held through two decades plus in the college game. So if you look at it honestly, which we always do, was it the, the, the resume that you would typically expect to land somebody at Miami with no head coaching experience? After everything that the program had been through in these similar situations through the years, probably not. So I think that there was some natural skepticism amongst a lot of people from the very beginning. But on the flip side, if, if you're also honest, I think you would admit that Miami had gotten the best of Manny Diaz, the best model of Manny Diaz that had ever existed in all his stops. And even though there was a lot of losing the previous three years, 
I think Diaz had done a pretty good job of shielding himself of any blame for that, rightly or wrongly. I mean, I always thought it was flawed to blame everything on Mark Richt. There's no way one man was responsible for all of the losing that's been taking place here. But Manny had done his promise. He changed the style of Miami defense back to what everybody thought it should be, even if it did not translate into big winning. And in a stroke of genius, he also created the turnover chain, which put him on the map to be a head coach as much as anything. In my opinion, it was, it was clever. It was innovative. It captured the imagination throughout college football. So Blake had a conviction that day, November 30th, or rather December, December 30th, that Manny was the right guy for this job. And Blake could still be proven right if this thing somehow turns. He was so certain about his conviction that he paid Temple a $4 million buyout to do it. There was not a national search. Blake did not take the time to see who else might be interested in the job. And a star-studded list, from our viewpoint, was starting to form. I mean, Chuck Pagano, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, as a possible tandem with Rob Chudzinski, the last offensive coordinator to win a national title at Miami, who had been a 20-year offensive coordinator in the National Football League and a head coach. They were inquiring who to call when all this happened. Mario Cristobal, his lifelong dream is to be the head coach of Miami. He had just spent time at Alabama learning from the best in the game, Nick Saban, for the very purpose of one day having the tools to be the head coach at Miami. So Blake had options, but he had a conviction on Manny. And now that things have not gone as well as everybody would like so far this season, that's put a bullseye on Blake, maybe even more so as we sit here tonight than Manny Diaz. And there's a concern amongst all of you out there in the fan base that Miami football might be sinking into a hole it may never climb out of. As a staggering amount of talent, high school talent, continues to leave South Florida, a model that I certainly do not believe is sustainable for Miami. Always have been able to go outside the area and bring in top players. But the amount of talent that is getting away from the home base right now is absolutely staggering, something I have not seen even close to in 40 years around the program. So Miami can't win anything in football until it can line up toe-to-toe every year with Clemson, which keeps getting bigger and stronger and more powerful. And many of you feel kind of hopeless about this, as the questions that you submitted suggest, when that is factored in with the uneven product that we've seen on the field this year. Your concerns are without question legit and warranted, and by coming on this show tonight, Blake James is giving them credibility. He's trying to do the right thing by everybody. This is not a comfortable setting here you know, to have to answer all these questions. He knows that they're not the most comfortable of questions, but he agreed to come on Kane Sport Live tonight and address them himself. So with that, 
Blake, hopefully you're there, and we welcome you to Kane Sport Live. And thank you uh, so much for taking the time tonight to talk directly to the fans, and um, hopefully I set the table accurately. And, um, you know, let me start by saying that I think everyone listening tonight, everybody in the fan base really does join you in unwavering support for Manny Diaz to be successful as Miami's head coach and shares you in a desire to see it happen. In that sense, they aren't any different than you. But you're the one with the keys to the you, the one who gets to make the moves that the fans can't make. The fans, you know, as you know, are out here living and dying by all of them. And um, there's a great realization right now of how difficult it is going to be for Manny to make that happen. And there's concern that those hopes will not become reality. Maybe not even due to any fault of Manny's. You know, why wouldn't Manny Diaz not have pursued the head coaching job at Miami with the money and the prestige that go along with it? And I think everybody understands that and has the whole time. But if we're honest about it, the Miami head coaching job has evolved into one of the toughest in the country. When you factor in some of the extracurricular activities that are believed to be taking place in college football, how South Florida has become a recruiting target for many of the top programs in America, and how that has prevented Miami from assembling a roster for many years now that can compete at the highest levels of the game. And that's before we even get into coaching ability of the head coach and his staff. So that has brought the focus on you and, um, and your decisions. And many have had concerns and continue to have them about the selection of Manny Diaz to pick up this fight and the way it evolved on December the 30th, long before the team started struggling to win games this season. So as you know, we let the fans submit the questions that we'll discuss on this show tonight. I've done my best to compile and condense them. There were an enormous number, um, but you know, I, I did my best. So um, first, um, welcome to the show, and, and thank you for coming tonight. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be on, Gary. Obviously, I, I got the chance to listen to uh, a little bit of your, your dialogue. And, again, happy to answer questions. That we have very different views on, on your description of, of the situation. But um, that's, uh, I guess, understanding you need to, uh, you need to have people uh, online and, and get them fired up. And so uh, let's go ahead and talk some <laughs> questions, and uh, we'll go forward. <laughs> well, they definitely don't need me to be fired up. But um, let's, let's begin by going back to the morning of December 30th. Um, Mark Rick was struggling, and he decided he no longer had the energy it would take to move the football program forward. So I called it a great favor at that point that he did you in the program because it gave you a chance to have a clean slate. And there was no dead money in coaching contracts, very little of it, and maybe a couple coordinator contracts with the current guys that you had to deal with. Um, but it really was unbelievable. If you, you don't see coaches do that. So um, in a matter of hours, you finalized the hiring of Manny, um, who was part, and again, we're being honest, part of losing five of the previous seven games to end the season, um, which was there. I mean, it was the elephant in the room. Um, no national search to see who was interested in the job and hear what they had to say, um, to see if there was someone more qualified to tackle the real-life issues that this program faces, which are enormous. I mean, absolutely enormous. And, and as an example, when Sam Jankovic was in your job and he did a national search, Jimmy Johnson fell into his lap by accident. 
And that changed the entire history of Miami football and probably Jimmy's career as well. So a lot of issues there. Take us back. I'm going to give you the floor through your thought process from the moment that your phone rang on December 30th and Mark Richt was on the other side and why you made that sequence of decisions that you made that day. Well, again, I think if you go back to the moment, Gary, uh, you know, we were looking at uh, what was uh, a very tough end uh, to the season with uh, uh, an embarrassing loss in uh, the uh, Pinstripe Bowl in New York City. Uh, Mark and I had met, uh, I will say, for uh, a number of hours. I guess I don't remember how many hours it ended up being now on the Saturday uh, just to talk about what we needed to do to to fix the program. I think as I made it very clear uh, the uh, after the Thursday night loss in the bowl game uh, that it was something that uh, I wanted to uh, do everything I can to support Mark and, and his efforts to get it right, and that's what we talked about. Uh, I felt that the conversation uh, was good. Mark identified a, a lot of things that uh, uh, needed to change, and, uh, you know, Saturday night ended, and uh, uh, I thought uh, it was something that Mark was going forward with, and uh, as he slept on it the next day, you know, notified me that uh, uh, he was not uh, going to continue on. And, you know, as you said, I think it was, uh, you know, a real credit to who he is as a person, his love for uh, his alma mater uh, and his understanding of, of where he was at and, and what he wanted to do and uh, uh, put us in a, in a better, you know, better situation. Obviously we had the contracts of the rest of the staff uh, that was still there, uh, but that's, that's part of the business that we're in. And that's part of the, uh, uh, the reality of, of college football and in a lot of ways college sports today. So uh, as we move forward uh, again, a lot of things happened in, in a hurry that day. Um, Manny had been with us for, for three years. Uh, you know, I do my part to get around and talk to the assistants. I think, uh, you know, you touched on, um, you know, Manny's, Manny's track record. Um, you know, I think it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to look at any previous situation and institution and, and where a coach was at because I think there's a lot of coaches out there that you can look at and say, well, they didn't do well at this school or they did good at this school. Um, I mean, I can think of a number right now off the top of my head that are, are head coaches out there that look like slam dunks that aren't, aren't doing that well, but uh, you, you never know. So you have to go with what you know and, and what the reality has been. And uh, the reality with Manny is in three years as defensive coordinator, he had turned our defense into one of the best in the country. I'm sure you have the statistics, Gary. I don't know where exactly we finished last year, but I know it was near the tops in the country in terms of defense. Um, Manny was given the opportunity under Mark's leadership to really coach one side of the ball um, from post-game press, um, post-game locker room talks uh, to how they operated out on the practice field to the competitions they had within the team. It really was Mark was running offense and Manny's running defense. And, and I share that because it gave me the opportunity uh, to really see Manny operate a unit. Now it wasn't all 115 guys. It was just the defense, um, but it was a situation to really see how he handled that. And again, what he did in his three years from the development of the young men in our program uh, to the kids that he was bringing into the program, uh, I guess really uh, said a lot to me. And then having gone through interviews with some uh, elite coaches when we decided Mark was the best fit for our program, uh, to then interview him and, and really get into what happened last year, why it went the way it did, what things needed to change. Um, Manny was the best interview. Manny's the best interview that I've had. Uh, 
for a head coach, period, going back to uh, the group that we interviewed when we had Mark there. And so, again, there was a lot of things that pointed to Manny to be uh, the perfect person for the job. And at the time, that's what we wanted to find. We wanted to find the perfect person for the job. And I'm confident uh, today, uh, as I was on December uh, 30th, that that's Manny. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to just continue to support him uh, because his goal is to win ACC and ultimately national championships. I know he's got a vision and commitment and a passion to do that. That's the direction we're going. Well, one thing you do unquestionably is you give your coaches the resources they need to be successful. And people are always making comments about money and things like that. And I always say the same thing, like money's not an issue. If football needs something and they come to Blake, Blake finds the money to, to get it done. And um, resources, you gave him more money to, to hire an offensive coordinator than any athletic director has ever given um, a head coach here at Miami. And th- that is un- unquestioned. But Blake, the, the, the big question that a lot of people had is, why no national search? See what your options were, hear what people had to say. Even if it came back to Manny in the end, what was the harm in doing a national search? Well, when, when you say national search, so, Gary, I guess what I'd say is when you look at, at this business, and again, I recognize every business does it different, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners uh, have different ways that searches run within their business. We're not in, in a position in Division One football that we're going to bring in we're going to inter- phone interview eight different candidates, and then we're going to bring five in and, and do uh, interviews all around the department and, and find out who, who might be of those five the best fit. You have to go out and find the best person for the job. And as I, as I just said, Manny was clearly the best person for the job. You don't sit around and wait when you have the best person for the job because guess what? That pers- the best person is going to be gone if you're waiting. And that's the reality of the business that, that I'm in. And uh, you have to make decisions. And I think any of those that uh, are listening on the call that run businesses recognize that uh, you have to make decisions based on the information that you have. And there was not a better candidate than Manny. I was confident in that, and that's why we went forward. Um, there are not a lot of athletic directors around the country that have the power to make a hire this big by themselves. And I wonder if you do embrace that. Um, do you consider that a positive? You kind of were left on an island that Sunday, if we're honest, I mean, you know, it was, it was you, you were there and there was nobody, you know, saying, hey, Blake, wait a minute, let's make sure, you know, that kind of thing. This was, it was your show. And, and is there any, like, do you wish you had moved a little slower or, or do you embrace that kind of decision-making power that, that you have as an extension of your job right now? No, I guess, Gary, you know, again, to me, it, it's, you, you know, you're, you're asking almost, you know, do you second guess and do you pull back? And again, uh, to be successful in business, uh, again, I, I've only worked in athletics and so I can't comment on others, but I'm sure there's a lot of, of those listening out there on, on the line. And I would imagine in my business, I'll guess, just like in, in their business, you have to make decisions and you have to, you have to, you have to move. And again, obviously you want to have well thought out decisions. This was a well thought out decision. Um, I was not on an Island. I was in conversation with president Frank to a variety of members of our board of trustees uh, to, uh, to other, you know, to other colleagues that uh, um, all were in, uh, in support and in agreement. Yeah. At the end of the day, this was my decision and I'll stand by it uh, to the, to the very end. And if I, if I end up being wrong, hey, I'll, I'll admit I, I was wrong. I'll, I'll say with uh, Mark Richt, uh, when he took the program over, when he left, it was in a better spot. Was it as good a spot as Mark would have liked it to be? Probably not. Was it as good a spot as I would like it to be? You know, I would like to see us win, you know, win and build on uh, what we did the first year by going to the Coastal Championship. That didn't happen. That's the reality. But at the end of the day, it was in a better spot 
I want Manny to take it from where we are uh, and take take it to a better spot for me. Ultimately, the best spot we can be is winning national championships. As I've always said, we got to win the we got to win the coastal. We got to win the ACC. We do both those things. We're in position to win a national championship. You touched on it earlier. We're seeing it play out on the other side right now with Clemson. We've seen it play out on the other side with Florida State. Uh, we're going to do it. I'm going to give Manny the resources as I do with any of my coaches. Uh, to, to be in the best position. Again, you, you touched on it. Uh, as athletic director, i got to make sure we're competitive. I heard you, you know, talk before I came on the show tonight about, you know, why would we pay Temple $4 million? We pay them because that's the business that we're in. Uh, again, no matter which coach I got, we were going to be paying a buyout. And, to, again, to be, to be fair to anyone, unless they're out of work, there's going to be a buyout associated with it. And so that's just part of the business we're in. And so to the average person, I get it sounds crazy. And, and honestly, I think the numbers are crazy, but the numbers in this business have gotten crazy. When you look at what coaches are making uh, today, I think I saw last week Dabo's making close to $10 million a year. And so that's just the business that I'm in. So why do we pay Temple $4 million? Because that's the business that we're in. And that would have been a check going to some school for some amount probably for any, well, not probably, for any head coach we would have hired. And in reality, if it would end up being a coordinator, it would have been, in most cases, the same situation, probably just not as big. But that's the business that we're in. And, and again, you accept that. Uh, you know, you touched on needing to pay assistance more. I don't want to lose assistance. You know, I, I was with this program for, for a number of years, and you used to always hear people say, hey, we don't pay enough to keep coaches around. And, you know, there's speculation. You'd have to talk to those coaches about it, if that's why we've had head coaches leave in the past or not. To me, I want Miami to be a destination. I want to win championships, and I'm going to do everything I can to give our coaches that support. Uh, I would believe Manny would say that that's what we're doing. I would say Mark would have said that's what we're doing. Uh, but that's my job. It's continuing to push. And, uh, uh, again, I, I feel confident that Manny's the right person. I'm going to con continue to give him the resources he needs uh, to, to win. And uh, that's, that's the end of the day. That's my job. Many fans play the what-if game, and, and they point to coaches passed over during your time as AD that include Butch Davis, Mike Leach, Dan Mullen, Mario Cristobal, um, several guys that if you're just purely operating on resumes, um, probably have a little bit more developed resumes um, than let's say Manny had at this time. Your philosophy on hiring a name coach. Out of curiosity, so out of curiosity, Gary, would you say any of those coaches you just named had a more developed re a resume than Dabo Sweeney did when Clemson hired him? Absolutely. Okay. All of them. So again, yes. the, the the point being, the point being, you don't want you don't want to necessarily look for a resume and say, hey, this person's going to be a perfect fit here. You want to find the perfect fit for your situation. Manny knew Miami. Manny, Manny knew this program. Manny knew this program in the in the in the 2000 from 2015 on. He knew what was he knew what the challenges were in the recruiting world, all those different types of things. I mean, there's some coaches you can look at that uh, again. You'd look on resume and say, hey, this should be a slam dunk. And again, to be fair to them, I'm not going to call those names out, but I think any college football fan can look around the country and say to what you just said, hey, these guys have great resumes. They're not doing that great. So my job is to find the best person for the job, not necessarily go by what just the resume is, but what is the future. What are we going to what is this person going to do to bring our program to where we want it to be? I'm confident Manny's the guy to bring us where we all want it to be. I'm which I'm sure everyone listening along wants that to be national championships. Are you concerned at all about recruiting and and whether the program can bring elite players 
in the way it probably needs to, to, to just get away from this cycle that it's in right now, win some, lose some, every game is knocked down, drag out to the last second. And it's just, it's not a recipe for winning championships. Are you confident that recruiting can improve beyond what it's been to, to get to that level? Well, let's go first two things. One, wins are wins. Again, you look back at some of the, the great Miami teams, we found ways to come back, win games, that most teams would have thought the, the game was over and they were done. And so at the end of the day, whether you, whatever amount you win by, it's getting a win. I, again, I can think back to, you know, games, uh, you know, with the – over BC, I think we're down by four touchdowns to come back and, and win uh, with the – you know, in the, in the fourth quarter. A great game up in Michigan a long time ago. You know, you talked about Chud earlier. You know, great game up in Michigan a long time ago. We came back and went. That's the history of Miami program is, hey, we're just going to go out and outwork people and we're going to get it done. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's about winning. Whether we win by 70, which would be, as the AD, my preference, because it would make my heart beat a lot, lot slower than it does under those pressure games that you talk about, what's most important is winning. To get to winning, you know, I think where your initial question was on recruiting. Recruiting is a lifeline, and we've got to continue to put resources into recruiting. And whether that's in facilities, uh, whether that's into uh, travel dollars, getting our coaches around, whether that's through private planes, through um, whether it's through the experience that the NCA allows us to have when we have kids on campus, we need to make sure we're hitting on all cylinders in, in all those areas because you're right, uh, recruiting is a lifeline. And, and there's, uh, you touched on it earlier. There'd be nothing better than having kids from South Florida stay home but I'll say this, too, at the same time, Gary, and you know this as, as well as I do, we've had a lot of great kids come to this program that didn't grow up in Dade County. You know, you just you go, you go, you look around that ring of, honor, ring of Honor at our stadium, a lot of those kids on the Ring of Honor didn't come from Dade County. They came from other places around this state, around this country, and that's the strength of the brand, and that's why we need to make sure our coaches are everywhere doing whatever they can to bring, to bring the next great one in. And whether that great one is coming from an area like Immokalee, like Edger and James, or if it's coming up in the northern part of the state like Ray Lewis, or we're going over to Louisiana and grabbing an Ed Reed or Reggie Wayne, or heading out to California and grabbing a Gino Toretta, DJ Williams, all those guys are great canes that none of them grew up playing in Dade County. Now, with that said, you know, you touched it on earlier. Dade County is loaded with talent, and there's nothing that would be better than to keep the very best home. But at the same time, we got to go get the very best that want to be Hurricanes. And so if there's kids down here that want to leave and, and they want to go somewhere else for whatever reason, let's go get the very best that are going to bring our program to the top. And so my job is to make sure we're finding and getting the very best kids. I'd love them to be from Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, South Florida, you know, the, the I-4 corridor south, I think, is, is started back with Coach Schnellenberger said. Those are all things we want to do. At the same time, we've shown through history uh, we're going to get guys from all over. You touched on Chud. Chud's not a, Chud's not a South Florida guy. And, you know, was a was a tight end for us that, uh, you know, had, had a lot of great uh, great times. We just had the 89 championship back on, uh, you know, heard stories about Chud and from that group. I'm mean, Russell Maryland, Cortez Kennedy. Again, you can go down the list of, of great hurricanes that we didn't get from South Florida. So I think the thing – that I would say is to, to every Hurricane fan, we need to make sure we're going out and finding all the kids that we can that want to make this program great. And, again, ideally I'd love, it, love them to be from South Florida, but I want to win championships. And that means if we got to do it with kids from Louisiana and Texas and California uh, or wherever it is, let's go get them and get them here and get them uh, – 
get them uh, working and, uh, and bringing us back uh, the victories we all want. The first time head coaching angle. Um, a lot of people had questions about that. In 2016, when you hired Mark Richt, it, it was with the explicit goal that Miami was going to get back to hiring experienced, successful head coaches from major college programs. You went back in this case. Um, it didn't work with Larry Coker and Randy Shannon. Did you have any hesitation in analyzing it from a first-time head coach standpoint? No, again, you know, I think, Gary, I may have if Mark was a different head coach. But as I said to you earlier, the reality is Mark really took over one side of the ball and Manny took over the other side of the ball. And so from dealing with post-game disappointment, even in wins, things that his defense had done wrong, listening to Manny talk to the defense post-game, watching him operate out there, again, in a lot of ways, Mark gave him the keys uh, to that side of the ball, and and you know I think it gave me an opportunity to really watch him in action for three years, not only on the field, uh, but off the field, and everything that he was doing around the program, and then to be able to listen to him. And so, uh, again, I think there's a lot of head coaches out there that are very successful, that are first-time head coaches. Uh, you know, again, and we can uh, we can go down the list and, and name first-time head coaches that have been very successful, just like we can go down the list and name first-time head coaches that didn't work out. I think to be fair to all, uh, I'll leave it as I'm confident Manny's going to be successful and he's the best person for the job. Okay, so many questions about Mario Cristobal, and I don't need to go through his resume or whatever and tell you what he's been doing. You know all that. Um, yep. He has not been able to get an interview at his alma mater. And a lot of people are, are really bothered by that. Talk about Mario, um, why he has been unable to get in the picture at Miami. And um, w- w- is, is there a problem there from the university standpoint because of the way that he left Al Golden? And is he somebody that might be considered in the future if Manny does not own this job for the next 30 years? I guess the thing, Gary, one, I think we got to be fair to Mario. Mario's in, in the middle of uh, a run at a Pac-12 championship and one that I hope he I, – I, ho- I know he hopes that he gets a shot to, you know, to play for a national championship. And so I don't think it's fair to, to, to have any comments on Mario beyond Mario – once you put the U on, it never comes off. I want nothing but the best uh, uh, for Mario in, in everything he does, and, and I'll always cheer for him to win unless he's playing against us. Um, and, and so, again, I, I, don't, I don't think it's appropriate to, to be discussing Mario other than I'll say this. If, for whatever reason, Manny isn't a coach at our institution at some point in the future, and I have to look at a search, I'm going to consider all parties. And as I said this time, I'm going to find whoever I feel is the best fit for the, for the job, and, and, I'll, and I'll leave that at that. All right, let's talk about standards real quick. Um, what, what is the standard for Miami football? I mean, I think if you ask the fans, they would say contend for the national title every single season. Uh, you and I both know that's not necessarily reality. What, what is – but, but, an acceptable but standard for Miami football. I, I, yeah, I guess what, I guess what I'm going to jump in on you there, though, and, and say, well, it's not reality that we're going. It it, it is it, it is the standard. I mean, who's 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 going to a single game thinking we're going to lose? I, again, I, I've said this all along. I go into every season planning on winning every game because if I knew I knew I was going to 
I knew I was going to lose, and I'm not going. I don't like losing. That's not fun. No one has fun with losing. Manny doesn't have fun with losing. The kids in our program don't have fun with losing. And I know our fans don't have fun with losing because I hear from a lot of them after we lose and their frustration. So I get that. Um, you know, with that, with that said, I think it, it, you have to be realistic. I and mean, we have to look at where was this program at when Manny took it over. I mean, you, I said it last year after the, the game against Wisconsin. Our performance at many times during last season was just unacceptable, not – not reflective of who we are as Miami Hurricanes. And so I think we have to recognize Manny's building. He's building something. Again, he's building from a higher place than we were when we, we made the last change. But he's building something. And so, you know, to me, we need to, we need to continue to do what we can to get the right kids in here, to build these kids up, to coach them up, and get the results and execution on, on the field. And, you know, and, and as much as, you know, I could sit here and make up reasons how we could possibly be 8-0, the reality is we're 4-4, four and four, and that's what we live with, and that's, and that's where we're at right now. And we got to go into, you know, we got to go into Tallahassee ready to go on Saturday and, and hopefully walk out of there 5-4 and, and, and looking forward to Louisville. And uh, uh, bottom line, uh, either way, we got five more games left this year, and I'm going to do everything I can from my position to make sure uh, we're – we're ready to go and, and that we uh, go out there and give our best effort and hopefully come away from a victory. But I think the, the standards should never go away from being competing ultimately for, for national championships. I think by joining the ACC, we created the standard of competing for the coastal and, and ultimately ACC championships, but the path has shown through our conference, you do that and you're competing for national championships. So, so to me, the standard doesn't go away. You use the you say often Manny is building things the right way. What do you mean by that? I think it's every part of the program. Uh, again, the 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 strength and conditioning aspect of it. What Coach Feely is doing in that area, I think we're already seeing the results. But I think we're going to continue to see even greater results in in that area. It's the 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 nutrition side of it. It is the the culture within the program. Again, there's. You look at you look at every one of our every one of our games, and again, recognizing for the outcomes didn't go the way we wanted to them, and and although it was a win, and I'm never going to be disappointed in a win, I didn't think we had a, a great performance against Central Michigan uh, in that in that victory, and so uh, you know it's 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 changing it's changing a culture and 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 getting every and getting everything going, but what Manny's done is he's got the guys to completely um, go all out. And, and, and just keep giving effort and never give up the fight. And, again, while you should say that should be a given, every time our guys step on the field, they should give 100%. Uh, we can all turn on the TV this Saturday, and you'll see teams that don't go 100% all the time. And I, I guess that's one of the things that I've uh, been uh, very pleased with on, on, on that front is our guys never gave up. It would have been easy to have guys kind of slow down in that Virginia Tech game when things went south, but they didn't. It would have been easy in, in, a, in, in a number of different games for guys to, to slow down, but they don't. Again, that, that's credit to Manny. That's the culture he's building around it. That's the drive uh, that he's really pushing these guys to have, and, and they're responding to. And I think it's why you see guys like uh, Shaq Quarterman and, and Michael Pickney coming back for, you know, coming back for their fourth year. It's why you see a, a guy like Zach McLeod, uh, you know, wanting to come back for that, you know, that fifth year, if that, you know, if that's the situation that works out. 
Yeah, I saw Demetrius Jackson the other day tweet, you know, that he'd run through a wall for the guy. He's building that within the entire team. Now, obviously, you know, he's been with the defense uh, a little bit longer, um, but he, that's the the entire approach our our, our team's going to have. I'm confident that we're going to see a Miami Hurricane team that is reflective of that same type of defense that our fans saw under Manny for the three years he was a defensive coordinator. Before you came on, I went through the whole lineup of things that you and Mark Rick did to transform the program. You've you've made a a major financial commitment over the last four years. You give the program what the program feels it needs. I've never heard anybody say Blake said no. Why, and this came up time and time again in these questions with the fan base, why do people question whether you and as an extension the university are serious about winning at the highest level? Well, you probably know that answer better than than I do, Gary, because I, I think your your you know just your your, your interaction um, it probably gives you some of that response. I, I, honestly, I don't know. I, I will say this to everyone listening: um, President Shalala was was great in, in in supporting everything that we wanted to do um, through the through the transition process um, from Coach Golden to Coach Rick. It gave me the opportunity to really educate people on where things were at in, in college football. Again, going back to my comment of we paid Temple the $4 million because that's the business that we're, that we're in, and that's just a reality of where college football is at. It, it gave me the opportunity to really give a, a picture of where we were at as an institution, where our competition was at, and where the elite teams were at. Because if we want to be an elite team, we need to be at that level. And so I will say President Frank has been uh, has been nothing but great. The board has been nothing but great. Um, we need to continue to invest in our facilities. We're about to open up uh, brand new housing on campus, which is a huge win for our, our coaches and our, and our students and, and ultimately our athletic program because I think that will help in the recruiting front. Uh, as you know, Gary, we've opened up the, the indoor facility um, you know, we're, going to, we're in the process of uh, working with the Super Bowl committee to host the, NF, the NFC uh, team there, and the NFL people came in and, and said that, you know, the Carol Sofer indoor facilities is as nice as anything they've seen in the country. But those are things that we have to continue to do. And so the, the, the bar has been raised. We have to keep pushing our game to keep it going because, you know, name the school, and you can throw probably most of them in the SEC, you know, in there. They're just going to keep investing more and more and we need to keep doing that. And, again, my job is to, to work with all the great people who bleed orange orange and green um, to continue to do what they can to help our program achieve at, at the very highest level. Because at the end of the day, you talked about recruiting earlier. When kids come to our campus, we want them to be able to walk in and, and check all the boxes, you know, whether it's housing, nutrition center, uh, nutritionist, the strength and conditioning, whatever whatever it is, that's the, I'll say, the hot topic out there. We need to make sure we're doing it at the University of Miami. I will say we haven't always, we haven't always been able to check all the boxes. Again, you look at the indoor facility just a couple of years ago, we weren't able to do that. Uh, you know, we, we put in a training table, um, uh, basically my first year as athletic director. I don't remember how many years ago it was now, but that's something we didn't have. And so, again, those are all things that we need to do. But I, I will say the, the administration and the board have been great about doing it. But it just never stops, and I understand you know people get uh, probably frustrated in in not getting better results. Uh, but that investment is part of getting us to where we're going to get the results we all want. A lot of people think that all this money that comes in from the ACC now has lessened a sense of urgency in the athletic department. That 
you know, it, it's, you know, it, it was, it, we, it, there was always a desperation to win at the highest levels because football had to feed the whole athletic department. And if football didn't win, there was no athletic department. It, has that been a factor at all? Well, I mean, again, I think the, the dynamics are a little bit different. I think Gary, you're going back to almost when we were an independent. So even if you go to the Big East days, it was it was a little bit different in terms of how the conference distributions have gone. Obviously, I think everyone's aware the the TV the TV deals, whether it's through ACC Network, and, and we just launched that this year. So even before the ACC Network, you know, through the, the TV deals with ESPN, through the revenue sharing that we do as a conference, it's a significant piece. But football is the main driver. If you look at our budget today, uh, we're still I'll say probably 85 to 90 percent driven by football. And so it's it's uh, I would say <laughs> there's no less urgency uh, on what we need on what we need to do in terms of of generating revenue. Adidas was a huge win for us in terms of the the dollars that they invested in our program and they continue to invest in on an annual basis in supporting us to do that. Being in the ACC conference and now the expansion of the ACC network is going to help us do this because everyone has to you know again recognize you know whether it's the SEC, the Big Ten, or the ACC, which I'll, I'll say we probably compete in those against those schools more often than you know Pac-12 and and even Big 12. They all have those things, and and they're all continuing to push, and they're all you know investing more dollars, and so uh, there's no less sense of urgency because the bar is just raising so fast and so high that I, there may be even a greater sense of urgency. In all honesty, Gary, what do you see different in the current? state of the football program than the last 16 years since, you know, Miami was last winning big on a national level. What's different today? Well, again, it's, it's hard for me to say the last 16 years because I wasn't around the program the entire time. I tried to watch from afar because I've always been, been a fan. Um, so I guess what I would, what I would say, Gary, yeah, how about the last seven? Go Let's go to the last seven. I'll Talk go, about the last seven well, that you I'll have been back, here. I'll, yeah, I'll go back. Yeah. I'll go back to, yeah, I'll go back to that. I mean, when, when you look at, we're operating on a higher level now than we were seven years ago. And again, you, you, you know, you've, you and I talked about the facilities. Um, we talked about coaches salaries. We talked about the student experience. We talked about all the things that we have to do to create the right environment because at the end of the day, you know, Gary, I know you, you live a lot in, in, the, in the recruiting world. In, in today's day and age, kids can go online and easily see what other schools are looking like, what they're doing, and technology is only going to continue to make that easier and easier. And I think, too, if you turn back the, turn back the clocks, we didn't have all the kids going out on these seven-on-seven tournaments and going around and seeing all these different things in the past to the level that we do today. Not that kids didn't ever, you know, ever leave South Florida, not saying that, but not at the same level that we do today. So the game's a little bit, the game's a little bit different, and so we have to elevate our game and who we are as an institution and a program, and we're doing we're doing those things. But all the things we've done, they haven't put us out in front of everyone. They're really just putting us online. And so we, that's why we have to continue to we have to continue to invest if we want those things. Because again, you you talked about you know Clemson earlier today. I mean, you look at what Clemson's what Clemson's done up there. They've they've done a ton. And so while I'll say we're getting we're getting in that in that same playing field 
playing field with them. We haven't been there, you know, up until uh, up until recently. And, and I do think, and, and coaches can speak to this better than I, but I do think that's created some real challenges for us that hopefully we're helping to alleviate with the new housing on campus, with the indoor facility, with training table, with providing summer school money, with all the different, you know, the nutrition center, with all the different things that we're doing that turn back the clock seven years ago, we just didn't have in place. Well, they're making it pretty clear up there at Clemson that they're not a one-hit wonder. I mean, they're getting bigger and stronger every single year. It's it's really kind of amazing to watch. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I know Bama's done it. Miami did it a few times, uh, but you know, Miami can't win a thing in football again until it can beat Clemson, and and that's a a hell of a burden for Manny. Um, now, there's an elephant out there in college football. Urban Meyer is, you know, he's got Jimmy Sexton throwing his name in different places he they they trolled florida state last week um he's showing interest in coaching again um he's a guy that's not going to come cheap someone's going to hire him probably in the next two months um now i bring this up because ohio state was in the exact same situation that you are in right now with luke fakel in 2011 after jim tressel was jettisoned due to ncaa violations they gave fakel who was their equivalent of Manny Diaz, the head coaching job. He was one of the best defensive coaches in the country for many, many years, had as deep a resume as a defensive coach as you could want. They gave him the head coaching job, and the Buckeyes went 6-7 and seven in, in 2011. And they didn't wait. They had the opportunity to get Urban Meyer, who had won the national championships at Florida, and they did so. They they took Luke Fickell, who they had made the head coach, slid him back into a defensive coordinator role, and together, in unison, Ohio State went 12-0 in 2012. The very next year, they won the national title in 2014. So people might be inclined to give, and I'm not if I forget the name of the Ohio State athletic director at that time and the people that were calling the shots um, in Columbus at that moment, but a lot of vision, a lot of foresight. They got everybody together. They married Luke Fickell with Urban Meyer, and, and they won. Is that anything that would be on the table here? No, man. As, as uh, again, Gary, I, as I said, Manny I, Diaz I know it's far fetched, but it did it did happen. It, it happened. Again, I, I, I can't speak to Ohio State's situation, and, and obviously Urban's not at Ohio State anymore for, for whatever reason. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get into speculating on, on that either and, and what's going to happen with Urban Meyer. Um, that's, uh, you know, who, who knows where that's going. You know, again, you told me last week that Florida State was going to get him. Um, you know, so if, uh, if that's, uh, you know, what's going to happen, I, I'm not sure. What I do know, Gary, as I said from the, the start of this, this interview, uh, Manny Diaz is the best person for the job. He's got uh, my support, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure uh, he's uh, uh, able to go out and uh, get the very best because we're going we're gonna to compete with the very best and have us back at the top. I'm confident in that. All right, I know you have to go in a moment. You've been so generous with your time. I'm going to go rapid fire on a couple final questions. Was the new Miami branding of the offseason a mistake? Did it create false hope and expectations? Here's the thing. I think, and just this is my position, I think the new Miami was, was really a, a recruiting thing that, that Manny was doing to to really signify a changeover. Now, again, I think in today's day and age where everything's on social media, I think – we as we as fans, because I, I see it as well. We as fans all see things that maybe aren't necessarily targeted 
targeted to us. And so I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a mistake. Again, it is a new Miami. Manny's not the same Miami that Mark, you know, Mark's Miami was. And um, again, I don't view it as, I don't view it as a mistake. I think it was something that really signified, Hey, there's a change. There's a, there's a new, there's a new head coach. He's going to have a different approach. It's a new Miami. I talked earlier about the unique power you have right now as athletic director, um, just the way the university structure is set up. It's also an enormous burden on you, quite honestly, from my viewpoint. Like you're under a lot of pressure on all these decisions you have to make. Have you considered bringing in an associate AD, a general manager of sorts, to help you oversee football? And, and one guy that people keep bringing up is Alonzo Highsmith. He's now an assistant GM of the Cleveland Browns, has been an executive in the, in the National Football League now for many years. He's a name that comes up often as somebody who might be able to be an asset for you in that regard in terms of hiring coaches patching up some of the issues in the South Florida community is that something that you would consider I again I, I think Gary the thing I'm gonna say is uh, Alonzo is a, is a cane uh, he has a tremendous passion for institution he and I talk uh, on a regular basis I have a, a, a ton of respect for for Alonzo and if at some point there was something uh, that made sense at, at our institution for him that he was interested in. And, again, I think he's got a very good job with the Cleveland Browns and is doing an excellent job with the Cleveland Browns. And, and so I'm not sure, you know, where Alonzo would even be at, but I do know one thing. Alonzo bleeds orange and green. Uh, he wants nothing but to see us at the top. Uh, we talk uh, 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 regular, and I have great respect for him. And, uh, uh, obviously, if there was something down the road that we had that made sense, uh, to him, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I have, have nothing but respect for Alonzo. As, and, again, I get the benefit, Gary, of being able to talk to a, a lot of our, our former players who have, who have tremendous passion to see this program uh, be on top and, and, you know, share ideas and thoughts with me. And uh, uh, I will say uh, I, I try to always be very accessible to them. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think I am and really have a, a lot of great relationships with a, a lot of our very best and uh, uh, feel blessed and fortunate to be able to, to represent them and, and as blessed and fortunate just to be able to have the ability to have dialogue with them about things. So uh, I guess I'd leave that at that. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, obviously want to help. Ed Reed's talked about coaching. Um, they so desperately want to see this program get back to what they feel it was when they played. Um, so that's why, you know, I, I bring that up. It's something that's talked about, you know, very much in the fan base. And I know it's something that Alonzo would probably be interested in. So that's why I threw it out there. All right. So the NCAA says today players are going to be able to have endorsements. Will that potentially level the playing field for Miami in dealing with some of the issues that the program's having to deal with, you know, in terms of extracurricular activities going on and out there in college football? Well, I guess, Gary, the thing I'll say is, one, obviously this is going to happen, and I do think that we need to, we need to have a system that allows kids to, uh, that can legitimately cap, capitalize on name, name, image, and likeness to be able to monetize uh, that figure. I, I think right now it's – still too early in the process for me to be able to really answer your question. I do have some concerns, and I think there's some uh, unintended consequences and some real loopholes that I think could further uh, further expand some uh, recruiting uh, 
improprieties that that happened that now almost I guess uh, would make them w- within the within the law and how things happen. So uh, I think it's too early to tell you how I think this will impact us. I, I will say that uh, I think as it's 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 written, it's something that is 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 good. We need to be able to have kids uh, that can legitimately capitalize on it. Do it. But we what we do need to be able to do is is protect the. Um, the integrity of, of the situation, and then maybe most importantly, Gary, I would say is my concern is that we protect the kids because they're going to be uh, getting all sorts of offers to uh, sign up with with representation and all that, and, and I just want to make sure that we do what we can uh, to protect them so if, if they are earning money that they're actually getting and it's not going to someone else and so I think there's some things that we still need to work through uh, with the with the NLI legislation obviously there's a number of different states uh, that are working on it I, I've met with uh, uh, two of the representatives here in the state of Florida that that are going to be introducing uh, similar bills up in Tallahassee and uh, uh, again I, I'm in support and had great conversation uh, with both uh, with both gentlemen uh, again it's just one that I, I think we got to kind of tighten some things up a little bit and then I think most importantly we got to put some protections in place uh, for the kids because if if someone's able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can that they capitalize as much on that revenue and it doesn't go to some third party. Two more quick questions. We play Florida State this week. They're struggling just like us. Are these two programs in a race right now to see who can get their act together the quickest when you factor in that Florida's already done it now and has a head start with Dan Mullen? Well, I think the it, it's the yeah. I mean, again, Gary, I think you you, you know this. I mean, you, you're always wanting to you're always wanting to uh, compete to be compete to be the very best. And and that in this state that starts right here in in in, uh, in our state with going back to uh, and this is you know a year it can play out. You know the, who the state champion is. You know should be one of the elite teams in the country. And uh, uh, we need to win in this state. And uh, obviously we we lost a tough one to Florida. Uh, earlier this week, we got a big one up in Tallahassee. We've uh, had the benefit of uh, getting them the last two times. I know they're going to be ready to go. I know our guys will be ready to go. I'm, I'm sure it'll be a great game. We've all seen, regardless of uh, uh, the records of, of either team, this is a rivalry game. And, uh, uh, well, I think both teams would rather have better records than what they do. I know both teams will be going out there and giving it all they can. It should be a great game in Tallahassee on Saturday. All right, final question. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough one, I'm going to be honest. But there's, there's so many issues right now. You know, players leaving the program, okay. players missing practice, um, midseason suspension of a very key player on offense, on and on and on and on. The program's lost 13 of its last 19 games against Power 5 competition. Um, what – I guess the question is, what if you're wrong? You know, what if, what if you made – a massive mistake here. And, and I'm not saying you did or you didn't. I don't think we have a final ver- verdict on that yet. Um, I'm just saying, what if you did? What if you made a big mistake here in how uh, this whole thing played out? And, and what if the hole only keeps getting deeper uh, with each passing week and month and, and, and year? Would you step up at that point, admit that, own it, take whatever hit you had to take in figuring out what to do about it and do you have the money to do that if you reach that conclusion, if things don't get better in the near future? Uh, so, Gary, I, I, this probably isn't the answer you're looking for, but as I said before, Manny's our guy. I'm as confident in that today as I was uh, on December 30th. 
uh, when we made that hire. Uh, with that said, I own that. And uh, uh, I stand behind Manny and will continue to stand behind Manny and, and own every decision I make as I've done in, in all seven years that, I, that I've been athletic director at the University of Miami. So, um, I, again, I, probably not uh, where you wanted to go with the conversation, but that's reality. Manny's, oh, no, I didn't, Manny's, no, I didn't um, have any – I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Blake, just so you know. And I, I said it at the beginning. I think everybody wants to see Manny succeed. Um, but I think that there's a reality that it may or may not well, happen. And, 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 and like, is, is this like something that, is this a four-year deal, a three, you know, how, how long do you, Blake James, think people want, should wait? But we want to see us continue to get better. Uh, again, you, you, you want to, you want to see things continue to get better. I, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I've shown, and again, I know there's, there's going to be some that are listening that said, Hey, we should have made the, the change with, with Al earlier than we did. Uh, there'll be some that I'm sure said we should have given Al more time. Um, you know, with that said, I owned that and, and made the change when I did. Um, I own, uh, you know, hiring Mark Rick. I, I own all the decisions I make. And like I said, I'm 100% confident, Manny. Again, I think when you look at, you know, things, Gary, in today's day and age, uh, there's, there's, there's kids leaving programs. You know, we, we see it the, uh, across the country from the elite programs on down the line. Uh, we got we got a situation in with kids transferring in in college football that I think the transfer portals made it into a, a bigger um, a bigger issue than than what the transfer portal really is. But there is there is a real um, there really is a real issue with with kids uh, you know with kids transferring and and that's that's not Miami that's that's across this country. Uh, again, the numbers at the end of this season will be on will be beyond what anyone on this this call I'm sure can believe because uh, it's going to be in in, the, in well in to the hundreds of, of kids that are that are transferring in Division One football alone. That's not talking any anything else. Um, you know, again, you touched on you know kids uh, you know getting suspended. That goes back to what I was talking about about you know changing the culture and getting things and getting things right. And that's what Manny's doing. And I'm confident that's where where he's going with this. And so again, uh, to answer your question, I, I I own every decision that I make. That's the the reality of the job that I'm in. Uh, and uh, with that said, uh, as as uh, as I started this out. Uh, there isn't a better person for this job right now than Manny. Um, would I rather have us be an eight and record? Yes, but I probably wouldn't have been asked to be on with you tonight if we were eight and versus four and or four and four. Uh, and I get that. And uh, you know, with that said, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing our guys go out and fight against uh, uh, Florida State on on Saturday, and uh, uh, hoping we bring back a victory. But I appreciate well, you know, like, uh, the opportunity to be on with you tonight. Yeah, and like I said, I think everybody joins you in those hopes. And I know some of these questions that that came in tonight were were not easy questions. And um, I, I think the difference between the fan base and maybe the seat that you sit in um, is that people maybe are more into what what if what if it doesn't go well? Then maybe you are you're thinking it's gonna go well, and and you should. I mean these these are your moves and and, and your program and your call. So Blake, thank you so much for your time on behalf of you know the, the thousands of fans out there listening right now. Um, you mentioned you wouldn't be coming on the show if we were eight. No, that is absolutely not true. You have an open invitation to come here into the jungle any Tuesday night that you want. You just got to tell me. And um, and you're here, and I, I'm sure I, I, we're going to talk I, about I, it I now. Never, I never got, I, yeah, I never got the invitation when we were eight and zero, or nine and zero, or ten and zero. So I'm going to. All right, well, you have it now. Okay. You, the, the next time we're eight and zero and it comes back around, just know you have an open invitation here. Uh, it's a great place for you to talk to a large segment of the fan base, yep. and um, 
you know, <laughs> thank no, thank I, you so 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 I, much for your time. Yeah. No, and I recognize that, Gary. And again, I uh, I'm uh, I'm happy to come on. Obviously, uh, no one no one's happy when we lose, and I get that, and that's part of the reason why I agreed to do this tonight. And uh, I'm sure there's some that aren't happy with the answers I gave, and and I get that as well. But I what I would say to everyone, uh, you know, listening out there is I'm committed to doing whatever. I can within the NCAA rules uh, to make sure this program is, is in position to compete for the coastal, the ACC and ultimately national championships. And uh, that's what I'll continue to push forward on and uh, uh, happy to answer the questions tonight. And uh, uh, if there's a, a time to do it again in the future, um, again, that's something that uh, I recognize that's part of my role. And uh, uh, you and I obviously Gary talk on a regular basis and uh, uh, we'll continue to move along with this season. And uh, as I said all along, uh, I'm going to do what I can to support Manny and I'm, 100% confident that uh, uh, Manny's going to bring this program where we all want to see it be. Blake, thank you so much, man. So much, so much of your time. Yep, have, we really, we all really appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. Go Kane. too. He's Blake James, your athletic director. And um, obviously a lot of conversation all day today and last night about that segment and him coming on the show. And um, I hope, I'm sure everybody out there didn't like every answer, and we're going to talk about it now for the next two hours. Uh, but you got to give him an enormous amount of credit for you know coming on here and, and, and facing those questions. It's not a comfortable subject at all. Heck, it's not a, it's not comfortable for for any of us. I mean, like we, we at Canesport, we work with Manny Diaz and his staff every single day. I mean, we want to see them win every game too. It, it makes, it certainly, well, other than the fact that we do on face value, um, it makes the job a lot more fun. I mean, we've been doing this now at Canesport for 30 years. Um, it certainly is a lot more fun when the team's winning and, and, and we went through it with the great runs um, under Butch and, and, then as an extension, Larry Coker. And um, we've also had to experience these last 16 years, which have not been very easy. So um, give Blake an enormous amount of credit for coming on. I, I got as many of your questions in as I could. I think we got most of them. And now we can slice it and dice it up for the next um, hour and 40 minutes. So 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633. is your number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. He's been waiting a while, but our main man, Greg, is in the number one hole. So let's go out to the 845. Greg, welcome to Kane Sport Live. Gary, that was a good interview. Man, I tried. I I I I did my best. You know, it's like I tried to be fair. I tried to get the tough questions in that I know everybody wanted asked. And I hope I was also respectful of the fact that Blake's going to have a different viewpoint than most people because he's in a different, he's seeing it from a different lens. I mean, he's running the program and he's making every decision. And, you know, he, let's be honest, he took a big risk with Manny. First time head coach, no big resume of success, no track record in recruiting at all. Um, not just in, in, in South Florida and Florida, but, you know, at any of the jobs he's had, he was never considered a, a great recruiter. Um, he captivated the athletic director with the things he did in his three years as defensive coordinator, which without question were the best three years that Manny Diaz has ever had in his entire career. So it wasn't by accident, but still, there's no question Blake took a big risk here. Okay, let's start off. 
If Manny Diaz fails, Blake James should not have a chance to make another decision on a coach. Okay? That's enough. What you went over his resume. You know what he should be doing? He should be selling tickets and raising money for the university. That's what he's good at, okay? You don't go from Maine as the athletic director and come back to be the head of ticket sales. That tells me right there he's an idiot. He, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Wait, 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 slow down. He stands for... Wait, wait, Greg, 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 one second. Now, let's be fair. Why is he an idiot? He ended up with the athletic director job at Miami. You think that's a little bit better than Maine? That's not an idiot. That's a guy that manages career pretty well. And I went over it at the beginning of the show. I mean, he's had the perfect career up to this point. I mean, every move led to another move to another move. He ended up in the athletic director chair at Miami, and he doesn't ever plan on vacating it. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Hope. Hope well, he doesn't. That, I mean, he plans to spend the rest of his, of his career in that job. He has said that. Okay. Yeah, well. Since now you talk about there, the other thing you talk, you talk about him getting fired, and I understand that the, the anger that some people have. Um, I can tell you that he has built a lot of collateral with the board of trustees for the things that he's done to this point and his career, and they're not going to fire him over one move if it ends up being bad. But that's why I asked him uh, if it does, if, if if it is smacking him in the face after another year, whatever the timeline is, that he made a mistake. And we all know that this is very possible. I mean, this team is four and four right now. They got to go at Florida State, which is going to be a very tough out Saturday. They got to play Louisville at home, which puts up a lot of points. And if they don't play great defense in that game, you know, even though it's at home, we've already seen them lose to two worse teams than Louisville at home so far this year. And they got to go at Duke. And then, and also hope that they don't mess up against FIU, which I don't think they will. But the point is that there's no guarantee they're going to run the table here and win all four of these games. So, you know, this could end up being a six and six, you know, maybe a seven and five season. Like that, that's not going into a bowl game where, you know, you're going to play somebody else and, and, and potentially win or lose. So um, that's not where anybody wants to see this program. That's not where Manny Diaz wants to see it. You know, and I brought up the, the Luke Fickell example at Ohio State because I, that is absolutely apples to apples. And I know it's uncomfortable to mention it, but what if you could get Urban Meyer to come here and be the head coach and you can marry Manny Diaz with Urban and, and let Manny run the defense and let Urban be the head coach and it worked the way it worked at Ohio State? What would be wrong with that? And, that, and that's Nothing. why I brought that. That's why I brought it up. It would be absolutely amazing. But the difference is Ohio State accepted that when they gave Luke Fickell the head coaching job, that it wasn't going to work. And they figured it out in a, about a year and a half. And they had the foresight to do something about it. And they got everybody together. And Luke Fickell didn't take it as a blow to his ego. He went along with it, and he went back to being the defensive coordinator, and they formed a team that took Ohio State to the top of college football two years later, and they went 12-0 and that first year in um, 2012. So that's why I brought that up, because I think it's absolutely apples to apples. I agree with you. Okay, now, I've been watching college football a long time. I don't remember, ever remember a team – 
players only meeting. That's an NFL thing. He must have lost the whole team. They must be discussing these people are a bunch of morons coaching us out here. We got Greg, to think about something. this. Think about this for a minute. Of course, they're having problems as a team. I mean, you have a quarterback who doesn't sh- who doesn't show up for practice on a Wednesday. I mean, the guy that's supposed to be your starter, who you've been calling your starter the entire year, he doesn't show up for Wednesday practice. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And not well, not to play him in the game. Well, I, I mean, listen, they didn't they they didn't start him, but they didn't hold the grudge. You know, I don't know whether you give them credit for that or criticize them for that, but they did not hold the grudge. And when the game was on the line in the fourth quarter and they needed help because Nikozi Perry was not getting it done, they 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 put him in the game and he, and and he came through for them. Okay, so why isn't he announced as a starter this week? Nikozi Perry. Was atrocious well, we're we're going to find out tomorrow. He was running first oh. team today. So uh, okay. I'm expecting he's going to be the starter, but we'll know for sure tomorrow. Okay. I just want to mention one other thing other than Blake James. You keep putting up these pro football focus numbers. Get rid of that, please. They had Greg Rousseau at the bottom of the list. The guy had three sacks, okay? And they had Shaq Quarterman at the top of the list. He was getting – they were running around him like he was standing still. Who's rating these players? Stevie Wonder? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> with football well, I mean, how many, how many entities do you think there are out there that have a, a team of analysts sitting there analyzing every single player on every single play of every single game? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not like we have a selection of people to call upon to get that kind of information. I mean, they give us a snap counts and they give us a subjective evaluation of, of who they think and, and, and played the best and, and, and how well they played. And so that's why we use it. You know, if, if Come you're on, if, Craig Rousseau was by far the best player on the field. Come on, well, I understand that, Greg, but, but understand they're looking at him over 60 plays and you're not seeing Greg Rousseau on a run play you know, where he gets blocked and, 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 and Pitt and pit reels off 10 yards or something like that. You're not seeing that. You're not paying attention to that. You're paying attention to Greg Rousseau overwhelming an offensive tackle and getting one of three sacks. That's what you're seeing. That's what I'm seeing. That's what everyone's seeing. They're looking at every single play. And if he doesn't um, perform well on a running play where he's hidden at the line of scrimmage that nobody's paying attention to, they're seeing it. All right. One last thing about the recruiting. I, I read your articles today about this guy, Riggins and Smith. I guess they're giving him the cold shoulders, so they want him to drop off the list. Yeah, that looks to me. Well, let me tell you, that looks to me like something that everybody should feel good about. Okay, I've been saying this for weeks that I didn't think the recruiting class was good enough, and I didn't think recruiting was good enough. And if they're taking a step back and taking a hard look at every one of these commitments that they've taken and who else they might be able to recruit that's out there. And if they're better than what they've been looking at, to me, that's one of the positives of the season. I mean, because it absolutely needed to be done. And if they're recognizing it and doing it, applaud it. Don't criticize it. Okay. There's only about six or seven weeks left of a 
early signing period. I know. So they don't have much time to no, they get don't. other guys on board. And nope, but there is still the transfer portal, Greg. Game. Greg, there's still the transfer portal. And you would rather get an average rotation guy out of the transfer portal, like a K.J. Osborne, who's maybe even obviously a little better than average, um, than take a high school kid that you're going to have for four or five years who's not good enough. Well, all right. All right, I'll let you go. I'll get somebody else on. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for being we'll part of the show, Greg. Talk to you next all week. Right. Let's go out to the 786, where I know Mr. Everything 305 is sitting chomping Absolutely chomping at the bit to jump into this conversation tonight. So everything, welcome yeah, back to Kate Sport Live. I'm doing good. How are you always doing? Ple- always a pleasure, man. I just want to applaud you for uh, a- having the best interviews uh, I've ever heard you have. Uh, normally, I just read them, uh, hear them um, from all the years on Kate Sport, but I can tell you that I really was impressed with you. You're very candid. Uh, I think you played some questions. Uh, to a T to make sure they weren't uh, you know, totally uh, aggressive in nature. But I think the, the most important question that you brought up in my eyes was his ability to talk about the national search and his answer confirmed to me uh, and to many of those that, that have had a bit, you know, at least good 20, 30 years in the business uh, working for ADs as Bob Bowlesby. Uh, Elder Miller, um, people that you learn how to make decisions, how to hire and fire coaches, why you hire and fire coaches. And I could tell you his answer was after getting notification from CMR on, on December 30th was, well, if you got the top guy to begin with, then you don't waste any time. You're in a dead period, number one. Nothing's happening. There's plenty of time to go ahead and get your ducks in a row. That's number one. That confirmed to me that he panicked, and he went with the easiest. I don't think way he panicked, Greg. To resolve I mean, the issue. I don't think he panicked. I, he didn't panic. Uh, I, I think I they, think that he had a firm conviction on Manny, and 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 he's either going to be end up being right or or, or end up being wrong. Um, you know, he had a firm conviction that that Manny was his guy. Well, that's that's just it. It's the one guy. Just as he really doesn't belong where he's at in a power five, top historical football program, athletic director, he doesn't belong there. Neither does Manny Diaz. Neither one belongs there. So, of course, you hire someone that has as much to gain and as much to lose as you do. And he was around him. But let me tell you something. I can be around you as an offensive coordinator. I can be around you as a grad assistant coach. I can be around you in any capacity, and I might have an idea. But I have no idea what you're going to do in that chair. Because when you get in that chair, it, it's nothing quite what you've done ever before. There's nothing that compares to it, nothing at all. And he had, what, three years of success here, a couple of years of failure at Texas. I mean, he's been a solid it, guy, yeah. But is he well, a, it, a, a, a legitimate question is, is how do you define success? Really? I mean, you lose 13 of 19 games against Power 5 competition. I, I mean, he was he part of all that. Of those 13. He's he certainly owns part ownership. 
You got damn right he has to have it. And, well, that's why I asked Blake, you know, what if you're wrong? Like, what, what if you're wrong? I mean, you know, well, what I happens next? What happens next? You know, we're four and four, Gary. It's not a what if he's wrong. He's wrong. Well, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, they've had a lot of they've had a lot of bad luck so far this year. Let's be honest. Hold on. I mean, I don't I don't agree with you on that. I don't I don't think four and four is a is a final verdict. Okay, it's not. Hold on. It's not a final verdict. You lost to Georgia Tech. You lost to Va Tech. Your team is in shambles. It's a freaking circus. It is. It's it's a circus, Gary. It is. No doubt. No argument. You didn't bring that up to him in those words, but it is. And I pray to God he's got the balls to still be on the line. Because let me tell you, all these season ticket holders that, yeah, the last three years, got up 50%, 80%, 100%. Goddamn, brother, I'm not renewing. And there's a ton of us that are not renewing. Because it's a fucking circus. And I'll give you another example of him not using any common sense whatsoever. When it came, when you kind of got him on that question about Mario, took the easy way, oh, I root for Mario. You know, a nice politically correct thing to say, right? Because you just yeah. never know this business. And he didn't have the balls to fucking answer the goddamn question. And then well, he he's be, he, he's also, on, I think, being on. he's being a little wait. He's being a little respectful of Oregon. He's not going to sit on, there. Hold on, hold on. I mean, I had to hold ask on, him the question because I know you hold and on. I are in agreement on the Mario issue. But like, I mean, Mario Cristobal to me is exactly what this program needs—just a badass killer that will just start. Annihilating recruiting from the second he walks in the building. Like, like I, I understand that. that. He, he confirmed. It. He confirmed it, and I'll tell you how he confirmed it. He confirmed that he's got a personal. And I wish you would have used that word in the extension today in my DM to you. If there was a personal issue, because definitely there was. But when he says, "I'll look at all the candidates," that's the, that's the way of saying, "Hey, fuck you, Gary. I don't want this guy. You know why I don't want the guy? And I don't care." And it is, he is the principal and the sole decision maker. And I can tell you, Mr. Epstein and all those guys, like I told you last week, they were pissed off Saturday when we lost to Georgia Tech. I was out of town. I didn't see the pit game. But I can tell you this much. Do you really think we're going to go into Tallahassee and move the ball? When you've got the same guy running the offense that still has no clue how to use, how to use what he has. Oh, man, we only gave up two sacks. Well, let's look at how we only gave up two sacks. Well, we only, you know, we only went ahead and had like six or seven really bad mental plays. Really, at quarterback, that's what you had. We had, did we did we have fifty percent completion percentage on, on the other day? We had two hundred freaking yards of offense. Jeremiah Payton is there. God damn, use him. You can't play. You, you're suspended. Fuck. The next guy comes in and you go. What is so hard? That you have you have proven a guy in his press conference yesterday talking about his offense. He knows pretty much. Well, if Jeff Thomas goes ahead and beats everybody out. You know, if he earns it, he didn't say that about every other kid. There's a reason why he was suspended because obviously the kid's a freaking knucklehead and he should be gone by now. Nobody wants to hear the truth, but that you know, the second he got suspended, take care, been nice. Where's my next kid? Because there's tons of talent on here. Now, you can't have a complicated offense, but if you simplify shit, you'll be able to get the ball moving. You'll be able to get some explosive plays. 
and we continue to stay away from them. Yeah, they beat, they beat Pitt. Pitt's not a very good team. They beat UCF. Okay. They played well against Penn State. It's still a big win, no doubt. But it still doesn't mask our reality. We are incompetent in so many different facets at a major college football program. And, and I'm going to throw one more thing about you uh, to help everybody here. Oh, I talk, I talk to Alonzo all the time. Really? He really does? Because if he, does, he probably I does. About how, I don't think it's about how the hell he's running this damn football program. I can tell you that one. He has come to watch a couple of kids practice this year, at least twice. He's been. He would. That, Blake you know, would greatly benefit. Dynamic. He would. He would greatly benefit. Blake is being asked and asking himself to probably know and do way more than what he probably should be, and. I'm not sure that he can help Manny Diaz to the degree that Manny Diaz could benefit from having a guy in the building that now has the foundation of football knowledge that Alonzo has being in the National Football League for all these years and sitting in on all those meetings discussing personnel. How about just the criteria that you use to evaluate talent? Alonzo Highsmith has been evaluating National Football League talent for the last 20 years. I mean, do I you think you example, that a guy bro. like that could help recruiting? When I was at Nebraska, a guy named Devaney, who had since long been retired, long been gone, he had set a standard there for football. His people that he raised, that he coached, that went on to be coaches, athletic directors, whatever, there's a standard, but they all know the game. Blake is a bean counter. Bean counters have a role. There's no, he's not. Being a bean he's not a bean counter. He's got bean counters down the hall. He's not a bean counter. Blake well, came let, up as let, a marketing and sales guy, Correct. a ticket sales guy, a marketing guy. He's a fundraiser. He's not a bean counter. He's being counters down the hall in the finance theory. office, huh? Well, you know, you know, uh, selling tickets, being director of ticket sales—that's a bean counter. I'd tell you that. I mean, selling. No, that's not a bean counter. Is, that's sales. It's, it's about, okay, it's sales. I we it's, disagree. It's Go what? ahead, keep going. He, he he is not a football guy. You agree with? Well, that's what He's I just not. said. He would benefit from right. having a guy like Alonzo Highsmith. But the board of trustees likes him because why? Hey. Stay under the radar. Let's have some success when we get lucky. If not, let's just make money and Look, we keep going. So, if you remove, reality. if you remove this current situation, which may or may not be good, you know, we'll see how it plays out. If you just we'll remove that, for, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, slow down. If you if you just remove that from the conversation, he's been a pretty successful athletic director. Now he's been nominated twice for athletic director, best athletic director in the whole nation. In the last few years, I mean, people respect him. He's done how a many, pretty good job here. They made him the head. They made him the head of the of the Division One Council. Do you realize what a big position that is? That's that's the body yeah, of the NCAA that oversees I, I, I all of Division One sports. Like he is respected in the industry. You want to like? I know. Listen, because I know he, you and everybody else is angry right now. Okay, no, and I'm I understand angry. why I everybody's angry. Uh, no, listen, I understand. No, I'm, I understand I'm, why everybody's angry, but we we, we got to keep still keep our heads screwed on straight. If you remove this current football situation, he's done a pretty good job as athletic director. 
Let me ask you this question with that in mind. How many national championships have they won in revenue-producing sports since he's been here? I'll give you the answer. Frickin' zero as AD. Zero. Zero. And the bottom line, the golden goose, the big mama that pays all the bills is football. And that's where you can't fuck up. That's where you have to succeed because if you don't, you're replaced. But when you have a program, when you have an institution like Miami that doesn't really care because they don't, and he answered the question, oh, no, we, 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 we're about championships. Really? How many have you freaking won since you've been here? Zero. And all revenue-producing sports. Well, Coach Larinaga took us to the Elite Eight. What was it, the Elite Eight one time? Wow. There's $2.2 million. Wow, that we had to share with the ACC. But great. No championships. Nothing. So his ability to get the right people? No, his ability to get good people that do a good job, and Katie Meyer, a bunch of other people. Oh, that's all great. That's wonderful. And the Division One Council, that's the assembly of a bunch of white, elitist, good old boys who go ahead and pretty much have destroyed destroyed extracurricular athletics and activities at the collegiate level. Let's call a let's call a spade a spade here. Because that's an elitist group. And I can tell you that firsthand, working for the people I've worked for over my career. But the biggest thing that you continue to give this guy credit for is that he's a great athletic director. Your judge. I think he's, I think up until this, he's done a pretty good job. I think the jury's out now, obviously on on this situation. Pretty good. Pay the bill, Gary. Pretty good. And that's why you know that's why I asked him. That's why I asked him at the end, "What if you're wrong?" Because if he's wrong and he made a and he made a mistake. He needs to own it quickly, okay? You can't let another four or five years like they did with Golden and 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 um, and Coker and 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 you can't wait four or five years to go by and then say, do. "Oh, geez, oh, geez, I made a mistake." But that's what we do. But yeah, well, that's something you can't you can't you do it. You can't do it because but then it becomes another five. Then it becomes a rebuild. The word they like to use. It becomes a five-year rebuild at that point. So I exactly. think Manny, this, I don't think this is a rebuild, but I, I think Blake showed a lot of faith in Manny, and I think the onus is on Manny to prove very quickly here and very soon that Blake made the right decision. And if not, I think they need to get together, and they need to do what's best for the program, just like they did at Ohio State back in 2011, and, and, you, you, see what, and you see what that meant to that program. Well, I could say in 2011, and you were comp- you were saying this was apples to apples, and it's not. And I'll tell you why it wasn't apples to apples. He was an interim head coach. He wasn't he wasn't the head coach of the three. Or not four true. Years. He was, a, he was, he was an coach. interim head coach. You know, he was an interim head coach. 2011. For for the, for the last the last I believe five six games I think of 2010, and then in 2011 they made him the head coach. Tressel resigned in, tw- in the summer of in, 2011. In 2010. No, in 2010. I'm pretty sure. I could, I'll could. i double Look check it, it if here. you want, but I'm, I'm it, pretty it sure up. it was 2010. I will. He basically was one year as a head coach without a three-year contract. He just had – he was interim promoted, and he had a one-year deal. That's what he had, which basically means you weren't really the guy. It was to see how he worked out. I know uh, Mr. Johnny Jones there very well, and his son who passed away from a heart attack years ago, but that's a different story. But I could tell you the last thing that's upsetting me was his inability to admit that he has no accountability. Because at the end, the BOT, the president, he talked about how they, how what a great rapport he has with them, how, how supportive they are. You're damn right they are, because they don't care. And if the principal decision makers don't care, guess what? 
you're going to have a three, four, five-year, oh, we got to make a change again. And the circus will continue, Gary. The circus continues. And, and I'll give you my opinion for Saturday. We're going to get our ass kicked up there. We're going to get our ass handed to us. And it's going to start off with an offense, with interceptions, with sacks, fumbles, all those things. It's going to happen this Saturday. And hopefully it will continue to happen. And less and less people will go, hey, I went from 12 season tickets and I'm down to four. Zero next year, baby. Zero tickets. And so this clown is removed. Because at the end of the day, this guy is the epitome of what Shalena wanted for this institution. Stay under the radar, make your money, and that's it. They don't care about championships. He's, he's a hypocrite. He All right, everything. Let me um, let me let some other people have their say. Uh, good, thank Gary. you, as always, for being part of the show, and we'll uh, talk to you next Tuesday. Be good. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's Sebastian? Good interview. What's up, Sebastian? Thank you, man. Hope hope you guys got something out of that. I I did. I did. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit up here and question and break James in regards to does he want to win or not. But one of the questions that I, I need you to, I need your help with is how far are we away from our 85 allotted scholarships, and when are we going to get back there? What's oh my keeping God. us from getting there? Well, because so guys keep the, the 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 exit door keeps revolving, and you can't you're only allowed based on the rules right now to 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 bring in 25 players a year. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be back to 85. So I can't answer that. Well, didn't SMU take like 31 transfer players from the portal or something? I mean, they're sitting there like an 8 and 0. So I don't know what the rules are, but it seems like they took a whole lot of transfer kids in, and and uh, we we didn't quite do that. But I mean, maybe you can talk about that next time during your next week's show. But I really want to know how far, how many scholarship players we have, how far are we away? And I tell you why I ask these questions. I mean, because we have. Well- I mean, I, I mean, I can tell you, we we keep we keep a running a running tally on on canesport.com. If you go under the football link, you'll see scholarship eligibility tracker, and that tracks all the scholarships. And 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 we have a, we have told right now there's 34 um, offensive players and 37 defensive players. So that's 71, and then three special teams. So right now there's 74 guys on scholarship on this team and you're allowed to have 85. So they're 11 short. Okay. So let's talk about 11 players short. That's probably two offensive linemen. That's probably maybe three people in the secondary. That's probably two linebackers. Uh, I just asked that because I mean, you know, for us to be showing up every single day playing against other ACC teams that are playing anywhere between 80 and 85 scholarship players and we're playing 71, I mean, we're just playing at a deficit. I mean, it, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we're just playing at a deficit. So I'm just wondering how soon can we get healthy in that particular particular regards. Um, the, the the other thing is, you know, I, I want to get your take on what what's your assessment of a Dan Enos this year um, in regards of how he's kind of managed the season. And I mean, our offense, believe it, I believe we're worse in the last three or five years um, than we've ever been. So what do you, what, what's, what's your thought on him? 
I think he came into a bad situation. I, I think that when you come in and you try to be an offense coordinator and you have a shaky quarterback situation, which they continue to have, you don't have an offensive line. You have to start two true freshmen on the offensive line. You don't have an elite receiver. The guy you bring in from Buffalo out of the transfer portal is the best receiver on the team. Um, I mean, listen, I mean, that's not a recipe for success <laughs> by any stretch. So, you know, I get the frustration with Enos, and, and I think part of it, I, it goes to me, I, I put it right there with, with the new Miami, just misguided hype. I mean, he came in here and, and like the program was all in, like he was going to be the savior of the program. And, and that was probably not reality. I mean, how was he going to be the savior of the program with everything that I just mentioned? So, you know, I, I honestly can don't I think that we can really make a fair, a fair judgment on him. What? Can I can I disagree with you a little bit? And this of course. Is what, this is what I mean. When we came out of spring practice, we knew we had significant issues on the offensive line. If I remember when we went through spring practice, I think Greg Rousseau, I'm not sure if he was playing, but I think he was getting like four or five, sometimes six, seven, eight sacks, uh, you know, just, just trying to get through practice. And, and And for the life of me, I just still cannot understand how in the world uh, we did not take a chance on one, two, or three transfer guys on the offensive line. I mean, I mean, like I'm beyond to the point where I'm really kind of blaming the players. I'm really kind of looking at the coaches. Well, and, and then the one they brought in transfer, can't play. The one they brought exactly. in couldn't play. We, 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 Un, we, unforgivable. We like, who made that evaluation? When I say who made that evaluation, I mean, I wasn't expecting them to be like all-conference, or I wasn't even expecting them to be like all-American. But when you can't even crack the three deep, when you can't even crack the two deep, I mean, how bad a situation we had to be in where we had to try to throw 50 pounds on a true freshman who was a two-star that was going to Appalachian State. I mean, so I don't – when I ask you what's your evaluation of Dan Enos, how did Dan Enos not go to Manny Diaz and say, look, I got to get two tackles. I got, I got to get I, – I got to protect these quarterbacks. It's going to really kind of stunt and kind of hurt their development. I, I, I don't get it. I got to ask you this question because I know my time is running short. This is just my sense, Gary, unless – and we may have this conversation later in the year or sometime next year. I really, really get a sense that Lorenzo Lingard is going to transfer. I, I really do. There's and a lot really of chatter that about that. Sentence, and I really just believe he just didn't want to take the punishment this year. He just wants to allow his body to get healthy. That's one. Um, I don't know if Zach McLeod is going to play this year because I played this, uh, against Florida State because if he does, I think that he, that means playing the season out. But if he doesn't play anymore, he has an opportunity to maybe go to an, uh, another school uh, of next year. And so the last point I want to try to make is we seem to struggle in the trenches. And what I mean by that is the offensive line and the defensive line. And I'm concerned about the culture at the University of Miami. I don't know because it seems like the only players that really get attention is your skill guys, your defensive backs, your safeties. But it really seems like we don't really place a value on the players in the trenches. But if you go to the SEC, it's all about the big hogs, from Alabama to Auburn to LSU. It's just like a culture that they really believe that they win games in the trenches. And so what are you seeing out of the University of Miami that just makes it just so unappealing 
that guys that play in the trenches don't want to play football in South Florida? Is it because, you know, they can't wear tank tops on the beaches or something? I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem like we just have the kind of culture that really we don't have like you no know, chicken wing eating contests or you know what I mean? We just don't have we don't have anything that really kind of breeds a culture that really kind of just kind of attracts those individuals. Yeah, I, I mean, South Florida like football is about speed and skill. It's it's just not about, you know, be, being a hog up at the line of scrimmage. And uh, it's different in other pockets of the country. And, you know, I, uh, beyond that, it's hard we, to explain. We, we, like, we, like, 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 you're not wrong. And, and the thing that I think really, really hurts, Sebastian, what I think really hurts mm-hmm. is when you do have three, like right now you have three pretty decent division one prospects in South Florida. Um, you got Jonathan Dennis down at South Dade, um, Isaiah Walker at Norland and Marcus Oregon, Tate up at Florida, university school, and Oregon, Florida and Clemson. Not one of the three is staying to play at the university of Miami where offensive line is probably the position of greatest need right now. I, and, um, that's hard to understand. I mean, that's, you know, you can't just, to me, you can't slough that off and say, oh, geez, we, you know, we've recruited guys from all over the country for years. Like that's, if you can't get the three guys that are real prospects from South Florida, if you can't get two of the three, there's something wrong. You're struggling. Answer this question. You could just kind of put me on hold. We got four games left in the season. I mean, we really do have four games in the season. I'm not asking to win all four, but as a Kane fan, from what you see, what you've seen in the program, what you hear in the program, I mean, it's it's hard calling in week after week after week. So what can you tell us that gives us any sentiment of optimism of how we can kind of close this season out? I mean, what, I mean. Well, I mean, I think that they have the, the, I think they have the capability of winning all four. Uh, I, I mean, I think winning all four and finishing eight and four would put a very happy face on it. I think it's hard to predict they will based on the way the season has gone. Um, but remember back in Mark Rick's first year when they lost those games in the middle of the season and then they peeled off. I can't remember um, when I actually got it. I got it right here in front of me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up while we're talking. They peeled That's off five straight wins. Year. They lost four in a row in the middle and then they peeled off five straight wins. Um, to end the year, and then they won the first 10 the next year. So they won 17 straight games. <laughs> I mean, as hard as that is to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, nothing's impossible. Yeah, but... I'm, you know, I mean, listen, everybody's within their rights to be concerned, to have questions, um, you know, whatever description you want to you put on it. Um, it's their job to fix it. And, and, and get it straightened out. And uh, you got to hope that they can use the victory at Pittsburgh on Saturday as a springboard. Yeah. Yeah, I see. All right, Sebastian. Well, on hold. Good interview. You got it, man. Thank Good you, as always, for being part of the show. We'll, um, we'll talk to you next week. 563-999-3633. 563-999-3633 is the number. Um, let's go out to the 941. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hi, Gary. It's Meister Kane. What's up, Mikester? Hey, uh, very good interview, Gary. Like the interview. Thank you, man. Oh yeah, yeah. And we have, um, and and for everybody to know, we have it transcribed right now on the front page of canesport.com. For everybody that didn't get to hear the whole thing, you can go back and read it. Um, it, it the uh, the transcript of that interview is, is now live on the website. Oh, cool, cool, great. Um, well, first of all. 
I hope that Manny can succeed. I really can't. I really hope he can. That's that's what I want to talk about. But my gut feeling tells me that he kind of jumped the gun. That's what I'm getting at, and you know, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but you know, if he is wrong, he's got to own up to it, obviously. So I agree. With well, that's you what we that talked one. about at the. That's what I asked him at the end. I mean, no. The, yeah. If 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 it turns out that he was wrong, owning up to it, it becomes the most critical issue in, of the program. Exactly. Because every because exactly. if he did make a mistake, every year that goes by, the problem gets worse. Yeah, the hole gets deeper. <laughs> that's for that's for sure. And as far as recruiting goes, what did he say? He said we can recruit to all areas of the country and not just South Florida. He's a he is a big believer that the University of Miami has always been strong at recruiting around the country and has gotten many great players through the years. And he's right from around the yeah. country. But while they were getting those great players from around the country, they also were getting great players locally. And there was a balance. And I personally don't feel that it's a sustainable model to keep losing all these kids from South Florida. And there's big problems right. in that in that regard, big problems. And how do you think we should solve these problems? I mean, your opinion, your thoughts. I don't know. I, I mean, I think they got to make some changes to the staff. I, I mean, I can't, you know, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say who needs to be replaced or whatever at this point in time, but like, I think they've got to make changes. Um, I think oh, yeah. the recruiting office needs to be fortified. I, I think the coaching staff has to have a mix of guys that can, that are proven recruiters that can go right. out into the community and recruit to South Florida that are known, that are known in South Florida, that have recruited South Florida I mean, everyone on the current staff is—they're strangers in this area, other than the guys that have been yeah. here for a couple of years. And you know, Banda and Rumpf have not had success recruiting like some of the top-tier guys for whatever reason. So I, I think I think he needs to make some changes and 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 and, t- and take a better shot at it because it is beating them over the head that what they're doing right now is not working. Right, right, absolutely. You think of Mario Cristobal, you know. Great South Florida recruiter was Mario Cristobal, no doubt. He, that's why I think he was the perfect solution because he is networked to, in the entire community. He's recruited South Florida for 10 years, more, more really than yeah, 10 years, yeah. more than 10. Right. But 10 years as a head coach almost, yeah. eight years as a head coach. Yep, and yep, all those years when he was at FIU, he was recruiting every high school in the state. He knows everybody in Florida. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about that. And he's my age, too. So, Well, all right, Gary, I'll let you go because I want to get some other callers on the line. So I know they've been waiting. So uh, you have a good one. Uh, go Canes, and hopefully we beat Florida State. Thank you, man. Let's go out to the uh, 973. You're on Cane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Ross? Where do I start? Hey, listen, man. Um, I didn't see any questions from – I don't think I saw any questions from you on the message boards for Blake. No, you didn't. You didn't. Congratulations to you. And can, um, kudos to Mr. Blake to come on and try to um, stare us in a way he thought he could and um, try to turn the narrative to he believe, he believe, he believe. 
But he contradicted himself a couple of times in that interview, and it was a good thing that you didn't catch it, and he wasn't actually talking to a fan that caught it because they would have been all over his behind, and he probably would have hung up. But kudos, man, for him to come on. Congratulations to you. What I'm going to say is you caught me by surprise that you have him on because I was going to go and criticize some things that happened in the victory. We take a victory all the time. We always make sure we take victories. But I had I had problems with it. I had problems with certain things that, you know, I saw and how we, we continue to look. And, and, and you're saying that um, Enos – you know, have a situation where he started off in the bad situation, two offensive linemen as freshmen and blah, blah, blah. But yet you continue. Not necessarily you, Gary, but people, or, or maybe you too, says, well, he's not he's not making stupid fo- uh, uh, play calls. If you know you're behind the eight ball in certain things, I keep repeating that. If you know you're behind the eight ball in certain things, why do you continue to run difficult plays? Like Mr. Everything says, simplify the thing and play simple football. That's all. Our, 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 our tight ends are underutilized, very much so, underutilized. You know, we keep running these one-trick plays or whatever you want to misdirection, guys going with, with slow guys. And it's very obvious that we need to go out there and recruit big wide receivers because all I'm seeing is every time my wide receiver catch the ball, a few yards, they get up, they're limping off the field. I promise you, Gary, I promise you, I watch a lot of college football, and I don't see other guys, even even quarterbacks who, who sneak the ball or run the ball, get hit, get up, and just go back to the huddle. Our wide receivers get hit, hobbling off. I, don't, I just don't understand it. Um, second for me um, – Listen, let's just call it what it is. Manny has lost this situation in the sense that while you're saying there's some bad luck that goes on during the season, every team has some bad luck. But it's the way you're managing it. And the fact we're going to make an excuse to say it's his first year, it's not just about being your first year. It's about using doing common sense stuff as a head coach and having guys behind you that's supposed to have your back and leadership in the locker room that does that doesn't allow this quarterback not to show up on Wednesday, and then you are forced to play him for whatever reason you played him. But if you had leadership in a locker room, which guys respect other of their teammates, you wouldn't have this. It's obviously a lack of respect is going on for guys not want to show up to work, and that's what I see, and that's what I'm going to say. It has to be mm-hmm. some lack of respect, Gary. Let's think about it. So he is he is losing this situation right now. He's at a he's at a fork in the road. He is about to go up to a place that he knows very well. He knows how how to, how that place feel about this team, about the kid up there. So he he understands. How does he handle it as the head coach? How does he get his team mentally prepared to play this to play in this battle? Because it will be a battle, and if we don't battle, we will be embarrassed. Because if they want nothing more, they want to beat us. Because that will make their season their best season by beating us. I speak for a lot of us when I say we are totally disappointed. There's no way we should be at the record. And Blake came on here today, and he says, well, 
I knew he wasn't going to answer that question with um Cristobal because he can't. He, 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 you gave him, he, he kind of found his little way out, his way out. He, he pulled that card. He, he said, thank you very much. I'm going to use this card. Thank you. Take this card from me. I'm going to play it. And he played that card. That he doesn't want to speak about a guy that already have a job. But if you think about what he's really trying to say is that I'm doing what I want to do, really kind of like mind your business. And that's a slap in the face to us because, again, He's coming off as a guy that's not qualified. You, that's not how you run a search. That's not, that's not how you, you look for guys that's going to make this situation the best situation. The facilities and everything, we thank you. But that's what you're supposed to do. A, you, you are a glorified fundraiser also, along with the, your, your, your um, what do you call it, your president. You're, you're the second guy that's a glorified fundraiser. So what you have to do, thank you for for fundraising and building that. We thank you, but the football is what counts. And I'm going to tell you this, Gary, he better win basketball-wise. He better win because then he has two major, um, what do you call it, uh, bacon, bacon teams that bring the bacon home. That's losing. We're, we're, we're being embarrassed. We're being picked against against nonsense teams like Pittsburgh, Duke, Virginia Tech. Virginia, these guys should not be able to step on the field and feel like they're going to compete against us. This should never happen. And we just had the AD on the phone that had no clue and anything that he wanted to really tell us. All he came on and made a bunch Come of excuses. Come on, Ross. Excuses. Ross, that's ridiculous. He had no tell clue what he wanted to say. Tell me something. It, that it, we don't have to agree to. with what he says. But we don't have to say he has no clue what he's talking about either. I mean, come on, man. I don't agree with anything. Feels good about what he's saying. Obviously, he mm-hmm. feels good. But you're going to take you're going to take mental votes tonight. There's guys that's going to continue to call in, and 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 we're going to and you they're going to tell you, just like I just said, he came on and came up with a bunch of excuses. Yep. Okay. All right, Ross. Right. What else? One what what else you got, one man? Last, one last. One last. One last for me. Recruiting, Gary. From the first day I called in. I spoke about the offensive line. If you can remember, that was my first call to you. And the second thing I said to you was, I know people in that area. I really do because I'm in the business. And I knew what was going to happen recruiting-wise. They're going to continue to come in, wheel and deal, and take our players out of there. There's no reason why we should have offensive linemen or well, like really good players in our backyard. And they're leaving by the multiple, multiple. Yeah, that's a tough one to stomach. I agree. I can't take it no more. Okay, so anyway, listen. Good interview. All right, Russ. But he had some nonsense to say tonight, man. Put me on hold. I listen to the rest of it. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being part of the show, as always. All right, guys. It's a little later than usual, but it's never too late to talk about one of my favorite restaurants in all of South Florida. And that is, as you know, Sicilian Oven, one of the best and rapidly expanding dining concepts in the entire South Florida area. And I don't have to tell you how many hundreds of places around town where you can go eat pizza or Italian food, but there's no place quite like Sicilian Oven, which has six locations throughout South Florida. The closest one to me is the location in Plantation. I stopped in there uh, yesterday, picked up a couple pies, brought them home. Wife was very happy. 
At Sicilian Oven, they offer a new way of dining with a philosophy that's based on the best ingredients and flavor combinations mixed into a carefully designed menu. And many of these recipes have been handed down from generations through the DeSalvo and Garabuso families. It begins with classic pizzas with traditional toppings and expands to gourmet and select pizza combinations that are far removed from what you'll find at the nearest corner at those chain outlets. You love wings? Sicilian ovens, wood-fired rings are marinated for 24 hours in Italian herbs and spices and served with caramelized onions. Sicilian oven also offers a wide array of specialty dishes from eggplant carbonado and Parmesan to mussels Mario to fire-roasted shrimp Palermo. They have soups, sandwiches, and salads and pasta dishes. No matter your taste, you will find something great at Sicilian oven with six locations throughout South Florida. On your way to or leaving Hard Rock Stadium a couple weeks when you got the, uh, the big Louisville game, you can visit the plantation location at the Fountains Complex off University Drive or the Aventura location at 205th and Biscayne. Need a place to eat great food, watch a road game? There are other locations in Lighthouse Point at the Shops at Beacon Light, in Coral Springs on Stample Road and 101st and in Boca Raton. A location that I absolutely love is the one on Oakland Park Boulevard just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale where they have a full liquor bar. And sometimes I'll wander over there on a Sunday and take in some NFL football while I eat great pizza and have a couple beers. So get on over to your nearest Sicilian oven restaurant and get ready to experience the next level in casual Italian dining. You can visit SicilianOven.com to find the nearest location to you. It's Sicilian Oven and SicilianOven.com. You will not only love the taste, you will taste the love. And we're going to have that Sicilian Oven Point counterpoint coming up momentarily with the voice of the fan, Bruce Warner, who is going to be joined this evening by the former player who's going to represent that former player contingent and speak to us about what he thought about what Blake James had to say tonight. And that is Mr. Kelvin Harris, played center for the Canes back in from 89 to 91. So he and Bruce will be with us shortly. In the meantime, let's get back to your calls, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633 is the number. You hit the one on your keypad if you would like to come on the show. Uh, let's go out now to the 786, where you are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? 786, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, we'll get you next week. Let's go to the 973. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, you just, you can't, you supposed to put me on hold, man. This is, um, this is Ross. This, this, I'm listening. Oh, sorry, Ross. I'm really screwing up here. I guess I'm a little rattled. Well, you right, really we'll want me to say so? No, 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 no. We, have, we can only take so much Ross in one night. Let's go to the 917. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's up, BK Hurricane? Hey, what's up, BK? How you doing this week? Yeah, what's going on, Gary? Yeah, that was a great interview. I'm, I'm surprised he showed up, to be honest with you. Oh, no, no, <laughs> he, 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 he understood. Was come up. He was going to see. He understood going into it that the questions were not going to be easy questions. He he knows. He, he, he knows that the fan base is not uh, in a great place right now, and it's his job 
I think he feels to manage that and deal with it. And he needs to come talk to you guys. I think it, I thought yeah. I, I I can't I cannot compliment him enough. And I complimented him before he came on. I complimented him after. Uh, you know, I was the messenger. It was my job to ask the tough questions tonight. And some of them were tough and were not comfortable yeah, for him to talk about. But, you know, I mean, this is what's on your guys' mind. And, 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 and I thought it was – I give him nothing but kudos for coming on tonight and, and speaking to you guys because you guys are the, the heart of the program. You guys are the ones that support the team. You travel to the games. You buy the tickets. You make your Hurricane Club donations. On and on and on and on. You live and die Miami Hurricane football. And the more people talk to you, the better. And I have put 30 years into um, creating what Kane Sport is as the place for the fans to, to be together and hang on. And anytime anybody in the program wants to come here on our site, on our radio show, whatever, and speak to you guys, they have an open invitation. Yeah. All right. Like Real quick, Gary. Um, with what happened – Last Thursday with the whole, you know, the the, the players had a, a powwow, a meeting, whatever you want to call it. But the meeting was initiated by Manny Diaz. That 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 doesn't sit right with me. Well, you know, it sounds look, like there, he's, he's trying to get. He wants the locker room to police the locker room. They're having a lot of issues. You got, I mean, right. you got guys, guys like who leaves the team in the middle of the season? Brian Hightower, who was playing, just walks out. I mean, really? Um, you know, Jaron Williams, the guy that there. you named your starting quarterback, who to this day you're naming your starting quarterback, doesn't show up for practice on Wednesday. Jeff Thomas, the guy that you're counting on to be your most explosive offensive player, gets suspended in the middle of the season? Really? You know. I don't know, Gary. I, I think I think I think he completely lost the team at this point. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know. They, they 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 won at Pittsburgh. And that was not an easy win. That didn't look like well, a team that was they, lost up there. Did they? Did Pittsburgh, they look lost to you? Pittsburgh beat them. They didn't look lost, but they didn't look great either. You know, Pittsburgh. Well, but they're not a great. They're not a great team. They're not great. What's great? I mean, there's nothing great. There's nothing great about this look, team. They didn't look that good either. Pittsburgh well, they did, but they they they, they played well enough game. to go on the road and win. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, they let's did. give them credit for that. It's about the other team giving you the ball too. Yeah, I, I get it. Pittsburgh you know, didn't play a bad game. Pittsburgh got conservative down the stretch. Their coaches, their coaches bit the big apple a little bit down the stretch and went a little yeah, too well, got a little too cute and went a little too conservative with five minutes left in the game and. Didn't didn't get the first downs they needed to 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 win the game. They gave the ball back to us. And I'll tell you a funny story. I was standing on the sideline when that was going on with their sports information director, and we were talking. And I'm watching what Pittsburgh's doing. And I said to him, I said, "What do you think your coaches are doing?" I said, "Let me tell you something." I said, "Those guys over on the other sideline, they may be struggling right now, but they got some playmakers over there can make plays." I'm going to tell you something right now. Watching what's going on here. We're winning this game. You guys are not. You guys are losing this game. I told them that it was about just over four minutes when they punted the ball back to us, and, and sure enough, we ended up winning the game. And he came up to me afterwards, and he said, "Oh my God, 
I had, I can't stop thinking about our conversation. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty, it was pretty funny. But how often do you see football teams lose games like that? Total stupidity. How these coaches they get tight and they start playing scared football and it bites them in the butt. Right, but I think that's Miami's that right there. I think is Miami's biggest problem. So when I see teams that have lesser talent in Miami, and I'm gonna use Louisville as a perfect example. This team from top to bottom has more talent than Louisville. But the difference is that Scott Satterfield came in, installed structure and organization, and look what he's able to get out of that team. You know what I'm saying? And that could be partially because he has experience as a head coach. He has won as a head coach. He's won some pretty big games as a head coach. So maybe that's that's the factor that Manny doesn't have. Because to be in, quote, unquote, your first year as a head coach and then to immediately, to immediately lose the locker room, I've never seen that happen before. I can understand after a couple of years, okay, the coach is full of crap. Forget him. I'm gone. But to be, what, six, seven games into the season and guys are like, this, no, I, I didn't sign up for this. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. Because that's exactly what they're saying. Like, in high school, I had a coach where half the team was like, what the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know? And I think that's exactly what's going on with these kids. Like, they've given up. Um, a lot of them have given up on Manny. But how can you say they've given guys up? Like, they, 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 you can't support that they've given up. They just won a game on the road Saturday. But Gary, they got Gary. Listen, they're a mess. They're they're a mess. It, 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 there's a lot of things going on that you wouldn't want going on. But you can't say they've given up. That's not fair. They haven't given no, up. They just no, won one. No, I didn't say they didn't give up on winning. I'm saying they've given up on Manny because if you're transferring, you've given up on your coaching staff and your teammates. But mostly, I'm thinking this is a coaching staff issue. You've given up on your coaching staff. You know what I'm saying? Everything that's going on with the team is a direct indication that the coaches haven't done their due diligence somewhere along the lines, whether it be recruiting the right kid, whether it be not not implementing uh, a more stricter, um, you know, way of doing things in the, you know, in the locker room. I don't know what it is, but the coaches, this, this falls squarely on the coaches. The coaches have lost these kids. Like, we're going to see kids, more kids transfer at the end of the year. I know it. There's no way Lorenzo Lingard comes back. There's no, it doesn't even make sense for him to come back at this point. Because he could go anywhere. He could go to Georgia and start next year. He could go anywhere. This kid could go anywhere in the country and just start. But he's, but he's going to deal with the BS going on in Miami? I don't know about that, man. He's the number three running back here right now. Well, he's the number three running back because remember, I don't know if some narrative they're pulling, oh, he's injured and all this other stuff. He did get a severe knee injury, and maybe it's the kid saying, listen, I'm redshirt, and I don't care what you guys say. Well, I, I think rather than give him a few carries a game, it, it makes sense to let him redshirt and keep his year of eligibility, keep building strength in the knee. And if he comes back next year, he should be a much better player. If he decides to bolt, then that's in his benefit, too, to have saved – the year. Right. So it, it doesn't make uh, sense. See, seeing where Miami is now, it doesn't make sense for any of these guys. But for look, for any kid that truly and sincerely wants to transfer, it really doesn't make sense for them to come back. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, it really it really doesn't unless Miami makes some wholesale changes. You know what I'm saying? And the proof and the evidence is there that it works for first year coaches. If you could say, listen, I screwed the pooch, I'm gonna make some changes. You know, and it's and it's worked. It's worked. The proof is in the pudding. Like Manny could turn this thing around, but he's gotta bring in different coaches. He's gotta make wholesale changes on the offensive side on the ball. And I'm gonna see if he's man enough to make wholesale changes on the defensive side of the ball. Because there's two areas in particular that he has to change on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line, but I don't think he has any ties with that defensive line coach, so he could pretty much let him go. But somebody's got to go in that secondary. Somebody has to go. And that's when we're going to see the kind of coach that Manny is, because a, a coach that's a winner is not going to be afraid to pull that trigger, case in point, Dabble Sweeney did it. Ed Orgeron did it after one year at LSU, and look at LSU now. Mm-hmm. One year. And look at them. Look at them. They're already saying, oh, LSU, if they beat Alabama, they're, they're going to win the fucking national championship. After one year, he said, I'm making some wholesale changes. I'm bringing in guys that are winners. And let's see if Manny's man enough to do it. That's when we're going to see if Manny's serious about winning. He's got to make those changes this year. All right, man. I got to let you run. I got uh, I got Kelvin right, and Bruce on the line. Just keep me on hold. Just keep me on hold, man. I, I will. You're on hold, man. Thank, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call next Tuesday. All right, guys. Time for that Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment that everybody loves so much um, with Bruce Warner, the voice of the fan, and tonight's special guest, Mr. Kelvin Harris, a guy that's always full of opinions and um, played for the Canes from 89 to 91. And uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit about the Blake James interview tonight. I know Kelvin was listening and Bruce was listening and uh, get some thoughts on, on what we heard earlier. Uh, Bruce and Kelvin, welcome to Kane Sport Live. How you guys doing tonight? Hi, what's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. By the way, um, I called our uh, Ralph DeSalvo, the owner of Sicilian Oven, and I asked him in honor of your interview with Blake James to create a pizza in honor of Blake. And so and anybody that goes there, just look up the dead man walking pizza. And that's the one that we, Oh, created. come on. He's not a dead man walking. <laughs> he absolutely is not. My opinion, Listen, I don't care what he, he has built up. Gary, he's full of crap. That, well, that you know, that, that'll be a matter of enough. personal interpretation, Bruce, but he's not dead it man is. walking. He has built up a lot of collateral with the board of trustees and the president. And even if he made they a mistake here, I'm the trustees. I'm the voice of the fan. I don't want him here anymore. He no, I understand, but he's not going anywhere. today was abysmal. He threw you under the bus and everybody else that's involved with this program. He thinks that, really that I stir up the cares. fan base. I keep trying to explain to him that that is not true. What's not true? You know, he thinks I stir up the fan base. I don't stir up anybody. No, you don't. You guys stir don't. We, we stir it up on our own. Well, I know uh, that. <laughs> on, on, on our own. And I'm tired of the lying, and I'm tired. Of, I, I, I said on a post this afternoon, this is exactly what he was going to say, and I was 100% right. He's not going to say anything other than what he said, but he's delusional. He is. Del- if you listen to it, he's delusional. How the hell do you not talk to anybody but just go back and grab Manny for $4 million from Temple is beyond me. That that's just a slap in everybody's face. It's like he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's right. We're all wrong. We're all dopes, and we have to bow down to him. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to another game. 
I really don't care. I'll watch it on ACC Network. I'm not wasting my he, money. Never again. He'll be back. Not Bru- me. Bruce not unless is, they get rid Bru- of this guy and a new coach. Bruce is. Bruce's nose is about six feet long now. He's okay. coming back. He'll be at Louisville. No, no, look, look, Gary. Gary, look. I know these are your fans, but that was just – I've been listening to this the straight delusionment in these last two, three calls. <laughs> Let me start with 917. First of all, Ed Ogeron didn't fire anybody. As a matter of fact, they wanted to fire Ed Ogeron. He was out the door. He stood pat with what he was – What he. It actually it actually reminds me of this situation here because uh, a lot of the boosters wanted to get rid of Ed because they wanted Jimbo. Whatever situation had, well, actually, I take that back. He was gone. They were going to hire Jimbo. The governor came in uh, a couple of times and saved uh, – first, he saved Les Miles' job because um, they were going to use state funds – to buy out less miles to bring in Jimbo, and the governor vetoed that because he was going to take some of the state funding away. All right. Ed Ogeron came in. They brought Aranda in to take his place. But he won. He stuck with his guns. He got rid of, um, what's his name, um, Matt Canada. because And, by the way, they forced Matt Canada on him. He always wanted Steve Insminger. Steve Insminger was an LSU guy who knew what he was talking about, who knew the players. Ogeron knew the players. They stuck to their guns, and guess what? They're going to win the national title, possibly. Well, guess All right. what? He also coached someplace else. He had a yeah, yeah, but wait, 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 but, but wait, like, like, you know, everyone is saying, like, this is a bad hire and all this here. All right. I'm going to go back to the guy that said we need to get rid of the defensive coach, especially D-line coach. He has no um, no affiliation with, with uh, the D-line coach. Yeah, he does. It's the NC State with Todd Stroud. Uh, Todd Stroud coached the number one overall pick and three number ones off of that uh, D-line. He's not the problem. And to get rid of our secondary, uh, who every guy they've coached in the last three years has gone to the NFL, Please. I mean, You're talking I get about you the guys. recruiting portion of it, though, I think. Uh, the recruiting portion, Especially okay. You're talking about Mike Rumpf. That's, you know, he hasn't really look, brought anybody, look, anybody in. Calvin, the look, program let, let can't me... go to the next level if recruiting doesn't get better. There's no elite players in the program other than Greg Rousseau. Well, Greg well, Rousseau on, is on. the Greg only Greg elite player Greg in the program. Think, think about how many elite players Greg there were George. when you played. Think, yeah, I, oh, yeah, you're right. Brevin Jordan would be the second. Now think about that's two. Think about how many there were when you played. Yeah, but see, here's the problem, and you know, I had to get myself out of this because you know what we did and what's going on now is totally opposite. You know, first of all, you know, no one ever talks about the elephant in the room, but hey. I don't coach, and it, 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 you know, so I don't have to be politically correct. The NCAA allows Bama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Clemson, Ohio State to pay players. And here you just, go. And, I told everybody. Here you go. And, and he can name and, the people and the, and the dollar well, amounts too. But I don't well, know how you talk about this. Hopefully no, that's going to change. Look, I know, that's gonna I know change. some of these bad men. I know some of these bad men. But here, here's the problem. If you keep firing coaches after two years, well, first of all, let me back up. There ain't that many coaches that want our job. There's a lot. Of, there ain't that many coaches that want FSU job. 
And honestly, there ain't that many coaches that want a Florida job. And why? Well, one, because they don't really like dealing with Florida kids. And two, they don't really like dealing with Florida Florida fans. So, you know, uh, it, it's a lot of dynamics to coaching in the state of Florida, especially down here, where if you bring in a coach who's coming from a bag school, all the coaches they was giving bags to gonna want bags. So, you know, and then to deal with the kids and the mindset, because it ain't just the kids that's the problem. It's their parents and the handlers, the 707 coach, the high school coach, the uncle. Everybody wants a bag. So, you know, when Blake was saying that he interviewed Manny, and he understood, I completely agree with him. Because let me tell you something. I remember the first time I watched him uh, when he first got here and he did interviews with you guys after practice. I said to myself, damn, that guy ain't bad. Oh no, he is is not bad. He is dynamic when he's speaking at his at a press conference. Like he is, he is phenomenal. I mean, we used to love getting Manny on Wednesdays during the season because it was the best, the best sound of the week. Like he's great, but he's a a talker. Okay, he's a talker. Yeah, but 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 it's deeper than that because then when you start talking to some of the players and you're like, okay. All right, that sounds familiar, what he's doing. And, and and what Blake said was true. He coached the defense. And the defense and the offense were at odds because the standard that he was holding the defense to was not the standard that the offense was being held to. And so when he and took the job. he knew that job, right away when he fired all the offensive people. He knew that the minute he got the job, right? He fired them all. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when you guys talk about recruiting, all right, let's go to the offensive staff he, he recruited, he brought in. All right, Dan Enos goes without saying, great hire. Um, of the offensive staff, from a recruiting standpoint, the two that maybe you got question marks about is Butch Berry. He's the offensive line coach. Uh, hadn't really recruited in this area, but you know what? He's the offensive line coach. Offensive line coaches get passes because they are hard to find. The other guy stubble field, the wide receiver coach. And if anybody gets it on the chin, I think it may be him. Uh, how about everybody Hickson? Else is, I think it's huh? Hickson, Hickson. How about Hickson? He he was brought in because he uh, he supposedly had connections in Broward County. Broward County supposedly. recruiting is a, me, is a disaster. It's me, a disaster, Calvin. Oh, 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 let me give you history, Eric Hickson. Me and Claude Jones came in together. Uh, Claude went to Dillard. They won the state championship uh, our senior year. The guy that played tailback for him was Highland Hickson, Eric mm-hmm. Hickson's brother. Eric Hickson is is part of royalty in Dill in 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 Fort Lauderdale because of Dillard, because he was a hell of a ball player at Dillard, and he had been coming in to uh, Fort Lauderdale and recruiting Fort Lauderdale for a long time. Now the problem with Fort Lauderdale is um, like okay, you go with the Heritage kids. Um, Honestly, I never really was a fan of a lot of the Heritage kids. I just thought they were soft. I'm just going to say it. Um, and the Heritage kids. How about the St. Thomas kids? The St. Thomas kids, um, most of them are pretty good, but a lot of them are soft too. Now, I saw something um, about Boza. Uh, some guy posted on Twitter, like, you know, we had a staff we could have got, but we, we we never had a shot at the Boza kids. From That's day not one. true, Kelvin. I mean, his, his, Kelvin, John we Boza. We never had a shot at them. John Bosa begged. The first one was it? Was I get them mixed up? Was the first one Nick or um or Joe? The first one, first was, one Joey. was Nick, right? First one was Joey. Okay. No, first one was Joey. Joey. Okay. All right. Never so had a chance. 
John Bosa was never begging Miami, never begging Miami to recruit Joey Bosa, and Mark D'Onofrio didn't like him. You believe this? So Mark D'Onofrio decides he doesn't like Joey Bosa, and now they go and they develop, they they send him to Ohio State. So now Ohio State gets the hooks, not just in him, but then they get his brother. Okay, back up. You know who uh, their uncle is, Eric Kumaro, right? Yeah, I know. He went to Ohio State. But John exactly. Bosa, the dad, he wanted his kids to stay home so he could watch them play. He didn't want to have to travel every week. And he was begging yeah. Miami. You know, Nobody knew at that point how good those kids were going to be. He was begging right, Miami. This just, this just shows the length of Look, stupidity on, with, with the recruiting. So, by the way, I think I, I, think I mentioned it before. <clears throat> the kid from Fort Myers, Caden Baker, he committed to UNC this weekend, according to Kelvin. So there goes him. And we were first. Yeah, but on he was never. He was never really no. in the picture. No, no, we never felt he was. We never felt he was seriously in the Miami picture. He was never seriously going to come to Miami. Huh? You mean he wasn't coming to Miami? I don't think he ever was coming to Miami. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. First of all, let me give you the history here. His father played center at FSU for three years. Me and Robbie were teammates at Fort Myers High for three years. Um, I saw Robbie uh, four weeks ago at our game against Dunbar for the district title. I said, yo, Robbie, you know, what's the deal? Robbie, his daddy, wanted him to come to Miami. David, his uncle, wanted him to come to Miami. His mom wanted him to come to Miami. They wanted him to stay close to home. Caden is a little different kid. Um... He kind of wants to come out. He wants to go somewhere else. He wants to get out of the state of Florida. He told me this himself. I made him a promise at the beginning of the year because I talked to him all the time, three, four times a week. I said, look, I'm not – I gave my spiel to Miami at the beginning of the year. I said, look, you know, I know, you know, how you feel about getting out and all this here. You know, I talked about your dad about it, but give it a shot. Now, it, it, it's it, – he he's a little different kid. He's a really great kid and loyalty and all this. He 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 made he 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 worked wonders for our, our school. He should have came the year before. Honestly, if he came the year before, he'd have been a five star by now. Um, we probably would have had a better situation with him. Um, when we had the Paradise Camp, he didn't come to the Paradise Camp to um, to, to to perform in it because they had a basketball camp. And you know, I know Butch. And those guys, they're a little they're a little weary about commitments from these kids, especially local kids, because so many of the local kids have used this as the side chick to get other offers. And so they put their foot down in the sand, and I applaud them for it. We ain't the side chick. You know, so there was a little back and forth. And, you know, I've been talking to Caden about it, and we were in the picture. But he really fell in love with Mac Brown. Now, the thing that kind of sealed the deal is the week that the coaches – the first week they could come out, Coach Barry then went to Northwestern, and I think he might have went to New Orleans. And North Carolina actually came to our game. They sent – I don't think they sent Stacy, but they sent who's ever recruiting the area to the game. And to him, that felt like North Carolina wanted him more than Miami did. And I get why they went to the Northwestern game um, – and they probably sent – I think they sent Bush to uh, New Orleans. I get that, you know, but you're talking about a 17-year-old kid who his um, his belief system, you know, is what it is, and I and I applaud him for it, and I think he's going to be great at North Carolina. But 
you know, they had priorities. And, you know, it just, it didn't work out. It wasn't like, um, I, I wanted him to take all of his visits. I thought if we could get him on campus for a visit. Kelvin, how come we didn't get any of these kids? Gary mentioned it before. Any of the three kids from from down here, none of them are, are what, going oh, to you, Miami. Well, well, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me say this. And once again, I ain't. I ain't, a, I, ain't, I ain't a coach, so I'm going to just keep it real. Isaiah Walker's on a bag chase. Florida got the biggest bag. Um, I don't quite – I don't really know that much about the Dennis kid. Um, there's some tie in there with Oregon because that just doesn't make sense. He liked Mirabal. He, he liked Mirabal. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. Mir- Mirabal was – Yeah. Mirabal was the point yeah, guy there, and then, you know, Mar- Mario obviously was involved in the closing. Yeah, because, you know, Mirabal went to Columbus with Mario. And um, remember, Mirabal was at Marshall, so he had a really big, strong tie because they, you know, Doc Holliday is South Florida recruiting. He he makes a living off of Florida. But mm-hmm. um, Walker, you know, I think Walker likes Butch, but his his situation with his family, they on a bad case. Um and, and you know what? While we're on the subject of the offensive line, explain to me, explain to them what you told me about those four guys that were there all last year, and none of the four could beat out these two freshmen. Of course, Cleveland Reed is now in the portal. He just bolted after a game or two. But Hillary, Herbert, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, and Campbell, none of those three could beat out these two freshmen. You're an offensive lineman. How could that be? What what must they not be doing to not beat out true freshmen like this is beyond me? Herbert doesn't use his hands, doesn't have a punch. Um, Campbell's going to be good. Um, he, he had some hand issues earlier in the year, and that, that kind of hindered him the first part of the season. But I liked what I've seen out of him when he went inside the guard. Um, Hillary, the light just hasn't gone on yet. They, I think they had higher expectations for him than he had for himself. But it's not too late because, you know, he's got the size. He may be a better inside player as a guard than as a tackle. Um, I think when you look at this team, the one area that we do need to stack up on is um, O'Lyman. And it just seems like to me, Stacy, for whatever reason, some of the guys he recruited, it just didn't work. Yeah, but, Dykstra, there's a lot of them that were bad. Yeah, but well, Bar Marlowe was 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 uh, inherited, and um, Dykstra, I, I mean, maybe he's good. He's, he's a GPA guy, you know. Um, they got a, another couple of guys. I mean, um, you know, now then you look at it, you got to think about something. We lost six linemen from last year. Nobody saw Mahoney leaving. The Bullwear kid still to this day baffles me what he was thinking. Um, you know, Bar Marlowe, George Brown was a dud. I mean, we just been very unlucky with the recruiting. And but I will say this. As bad as it looks right now, we are shoring up the team. And and, and go back to that nine one seven guy to say that Manny's lost the team, he's completely clueless. You know, um, I talked to a few of these kids, and one thing that I noticed is that they believe in their coach. Now, Hightower, he was homesick. He, he's from Calabasas. I know he went to IMG, but, um, you know, this generation of kid is different, and it got hard for him 
and he couldn't elevate and get better. And uh, the thing I don't understand is with him and Cleveland Reed, why would you, why won't you just play the season out then transfer? You know, someone brought to my attention the reason why they're, they're putting their name in the portal now is is that they're trying to uh, jockey their position for another school. But, you know, if you look at the the success rate of a lot of these kids, not just with our school, but most of these schools that leave a big-time Power 5 school, it doesn't usually work out. <laughs> I mean, if you're Cleveland Reed, you quit right before the game that you were probably going to get some playing time, supposedly, and then they open up the competition that next week. You had a chance to get in and possibly get a spot. Now you're just taking classes and you don't have a home. And you got to sit out next year. Same thing with Hightower. He got to sit out next year. And, you know, that guy that said that Lorenzo Lingard could go and start anywhere, check him for dope. He is on dope. Straight dope. <laughs> I tried to tell him. I mean, Lorenzo Lingard is the third string running back right now if, if they're playing him this year. Well, let me break this down Didn't to you he here. The he reason why the red shirt. Yeah. First okay. of all, um, Neron Donaldson's stepfather um, works um, works in the, in the industry, and he he deals with medical procedures. And we we've had this conversation a lot about Lingard. And he said, Lingard. He said when he went out there during the um, first training camp, he he said that you know he realized that Lingard wasn't ready, and. You know, Lingard's family, I think, was pushing him that he should be playing. But one of the big reasons why Lingard wasn't playing is because he couldn't pick up the blitz. Running backs don't get on the field if they can't pick up the blitz. Now, I like Cam De- Cam Harris. I think Dallas is better at blitz pickup than Harris, but Harris is getting better. He got better as the game went on. But Dallas is our best blitz uh, guy from the running back position. He's Linger, the best all-around guy Linger. right now, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. he may be Linger, next year. Well, he's got a situation, you know, with with his with his kid and all. But I think if he leaves, Cam Harris will hold it down. And that's the other reason why Linker wouldn't leave, because I'm pretty sure they all probably know that Dallas may be out the door. So if Cam Harris is number one, number two is wide open. I don't think Don Chaney's going to play next year. Me personally, I think he probably plays four games because he has – he has the same problem that Lingard had. They played in a wing T offense. They've never picked up a blitz in their life. Hmm. Are you going to put him in the game against Florida when they're sending gargoyles from all angles and he's never yeah. seen that? And your quarterback is razor thin. It just, you know, it just takes time, people. But all of our top six offensive linemen are coming back next year. We're going to have a starting quarterback back, whichever one of those quarterbacks, because I don't think both of them will be here this time next year because if Van Dyke comes and it looks like he's sticking, he'll be here in December. So you got Van Dyke, Matoka, Carson Proctor, plus those two. That's five quarterbacks. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the room. And then you got two guys that have started games. And you just can't keep going on two years in a row, alternate them. I think it's a great thing what they're doing this year because whether you people believe it or not, Dan Enos is developing character out of these guys because he's holding them to a standard and he's forcing them to get better every week. Because if you think about it, if one of them was the quarterback and didn't have any competition, they could lay an egg and not get better because there's no incentive. But now there's incentive. This is that old Steve Spurrier thing where he used to alternate quarterbacks every um, every play. Well, this is similar, and I think it's a great thing for both of them because it makes them pay attention and it makes them give the best effort 
every day in practice, and they need it because after you know John Rick, I mean, it, it, you know he he let them get away with too much, and this is just the well, complete opposite. What about the fact that he didn't show up to practice on Wednesday, Jared Williams? Well, well look, Gary mentioned look, that look. before too. How do you just let this guy show up and play on the road? Just sit him down. What's the lesson learned? I had heard look. that they that they, they that the team the team made that decision. That the team had true. some type of vote or something, but I don't know if that's true. But that's that was a story that that we, we heard. Here the team what? Whatever. That Manny let the well, team look. just decide whether Jaron Williams got to travel to Pittsburgh. Well, he won the game for them. Well, you know, you he know, did he, the same thing with Jeff Thomas on his like when Jeff Thomas when they were deciding if they were going to let Jeff Thomas come back. Uh, some of the kids, you know, they lobbied with him, and he went and he had a team meeting and they set some standards for Jeff because those kids really like Jeff but Jeff is a different kind of guy and you know to his to his detriment he had already he's already I think from what I understand made up his mind he wants to leave but the reality is he needs to come back because you know these kids that, and that's the other thing that's hurt this program these kids are getting bad advice I mean you keep seeing it year after year after year kids leaving to go be fifth and sixth round draft picks and now you're on the fringe, you're getting cut on practice squad, and you know it's 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 like you 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 gotta you gotta understand your leverage, you know. And I hope this year we don't have any foolishness. Like, you know, hopefully Ford comes back, um, hopefully Garvin comes back. I don't expect Bandy Bandy to leave now. Um, I do think that Jeff and Dallas will probably leave, and I understand DJ because of his situation. But he has actually played himself into a good situation in the draft. He has. You know, he's so, not going to get better if he comes back next year. So he should go. Well, he's a running back. He, he's a running back. I mean, he could get yeah, he should go. Is better. He may have better numbers. That could be. He would have better numbers, well, but he wouldn't be a better running back. No. He, maybe, maybe he's not. A, but well, the only thing that he may higher, and he maybe you know one year of not having a lot of money, but then having a, a good amount of money, it might be worth it. There's a lot to think about. Well, I think personally, he's gonna he's he's in a situation like with Homer. He's a a third to fifth round draft pick, no matter what year he comes out. But I think he's a complete running back. He can pick up the blitz. He's an every down back. He can pick up the blitz. He can run inside. He can run outside. He can he can catch the ball out the backfield. And I think if he the, the, the key for him as far as his draft position is how he tests at the combine and he does in his workouts because IQ-wise and everything, I think he is a professional back. It's just that the right team has to like him, and it just has to drop right. Um, but Cam Harris will be the number one back, and we won't have a drop-off. And I think if Lingard is smart, he'll realize that it's wide open. And, you know, we may see him at the end of the year, like in the bowl game. But – he did the right thing by coming Ball to the game? coaches. He, is that, yeah, is that I what you see. said? Yeah, because who, who, he, he has – Who are we beating? I mean, hey, I – oh, you mean for the rest of the season? Yeah, we have to win two more games against get into a bowl, Kelvin. I still don't uh, think we're going to well, beat Florida State, and I don't think we're going to beat Louisville. I think they're, they're too explosive offensively. I think oh, we're It's funny. Kelvin's, Kelvin's positive, Bruce. You're negative as hell. What's going on here, man? Well, no, Bruce. Bruce has, Bruce has been negative his his whole life. Calvin I mean, always he, he, thinks we're going twelve and zero. I mean, he's really way out there. Well, Ask Clark well, look, or Leon or any of these guys. He keeps saying twelve and zero, twelve and zero. Well, when we you look at Florida, all right, we'll run the table. We'll be eleven and one. We'll beat Clemson. and We're going into the playoffs. That's what he told me. 
when you look at the talent, yeah, we, we have that ability. But then as I've gotten a little bit more closer to the program, there are some intangibles that the general public doesn't know about and that even our alumni don't know about, that when you get closer and you understand the makeup of the kids, it'll be like, oh, okay, if I'd have known that, I wouldn't have said that. Right. Because uh, you've been telling me all along, and I keep tell, I text Gary once in a while what you tell me, some of these guys that are their heads are up their ass in practice and stuff like that. It's It's, it's bad. It's, but it has that's never the part. Been like this. But 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 this is where this is where you know all you guys are getting on Blake. Blake saw something, and I see it now, and I understand why Manny's the coach because Manny understands what the, he knew from the beginning. And when I look back at some of the stuff that he says to you guys in the press conferences at the practice, Gary, he kind of led us to this. He knew this, and we just weren't paying attention to it. And it goes all the way back to that final scrimmage when he picked um, Jaron as quarterback. If you think about what he said to you guys about what happened in that scrimmage, about some of the old cancerous stuff coming back, we thought maybe it was gone, but it wasn't. So that was a that was, that was a, a tip um, off on what on Nikosi? No, that was a tip off on the team. Oh, because well, even worse. Because, Gary, think about what he said to you guys when he picked um, Jaron as the quarterback. They had a disastrous – the offense came out. Now, think about it. The offense knew it was a, what, what that, that scrimmage was, and they came out and the defense laid the wood to them, and they were like a deer in the headlights, and he said that. And, 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 and basically what he said was this goes back to what we were having last year. And, and, and when you look at the makeup of the team um, – he said something to y'all in the press conference, I think, this week, where he said, um, you want to be able to have the uh, the freshmen come in and look up to the seniors. And he's built that with the defense because Sam Brooks, y'all interviewed him earlier in the year, and I remember he said, I always wanted to come to UM. You know, I always, you know, Shaq don't know this, but I always looked up to him. Okay, so now when he gets there, he's following everything Shaq does, everything Pinky does. All right, so you got to set up there. And in the defensive line, you got Jonathan Garvin and Pat Bethel and, and Patchen. And so when Harvey and those defensive tackles come in, they can look up to these guys because they practice right, so they have an example. And the secondary, they had Jaquan Johnson and those guys that, you know, when you guys talked to Amari Carter, he said it two or three times. Now go to the offensive side of the ball. Who do the wide receivers? If K.J. Osborne doesn't come in, who would have been the leader of that room? There was no leader. It's a snake with no head. You go mm-hmm. to the offensive line. There is no leader. Okay. Nope. Right now, Butch Berry is probably a little disappointed in Nirvana because Nirvana after spring, oh. was going to be the leader. I hope but he's a lot he disappointed has... in Nirvana. Who who let this kid gain 40 pounds? Listen, um, it's the kid because they weigh him every week and he fluctuates and they they stay on Crazy. him. But Nirvan, he's a different kind of kid. And luckily, the, the best thing for Nirvan is that his parents aren't delusional. So that's the best thing for him. His they mom know. needs to stop cooking, though. His mom's cooking him way too it's much food. It's not his mom. No, it's not his mom. He, he stays off campus and... Um, you know, if anything, he's trying to hide this from him. But the good thing about it is his grandfather got into his ass last week. Uh, his grandfather called me. We had a long conversation. I gave him some tips as to how to motivate the kid uh, because he's kind of, you know, 
you, you know, he's, you know, I don't know. There's something, you know, they're all trying to put their finger on. But this week, I'm not worried about him because the guy he's going up against is a guy that he doesn't like. You know, they've had issues with each other going all the way back to uh, the five-star camps, and I'm talking about Marvin Wilson. This week, I expect him to play a good ball game. You know what I'm saying? But even with all that said, all of our top six linemen are coming back next year, okay? And I'm watching Zion Nelson getting better. It's not a, a huge jump, but it's getting better. And I was listening to Ja'Kai Clark talking to you today, and it struck me how intelligent that kid is and how aware of what he needs to do. And so when you got kids like that who are young and who are willing to learn and who put the work in, they're going to get better because now in the off season they can watch – you know, you got to think about something. The two sacks that, that Zion gave up uh, Saturday, I felt bad for him because no 18-year-old kid sees those moves. Patrick Jones came with some Von Miller-type moves. He came with a slap, dip, and a rip. Most college kids don't see that. I mean, and that's why that kid is probably going to be a high draft pick when he decides to come out. But for the most part, he held his own. They did a good job. Because think about it. Pittsburgh's coming in this game averaging five sacks a game. We held them to two. Um, Nicosi was a little bit off, and I think they made the right decision to put – well, obviously they made the right decision because we won the game. It's just that the offensive side of the ball is is behind the defensive side of the ball. But it's going in the right direction because they believe in the offensive coordinator – and they're allowing him to coach them. They believe in the offensive line coach, and they're allowing him to coach him. Now, I got to be honest, the one guy that I do have issues with, I, I don't really know that much about him, but I'm just looking at the the, the, the performance on the field is the wide receiver coach because I see guys still rounding off routes. I don't like the way guys fight for the ball in 50-50 situations. I just, you know – but I will say this, he does a good job, and you, you've been to practices. He does a good job of, of showing them how to catch the ball. Now it has to be a situation of the kids have to take that to the next level on their own. Like they have to be like K.J. Osborne and stay at the practice and get on the jugs machine on their own. And, you know, I think the light has turned on. But we won't know. These next two weeks, to me, are the most crucial weeks because if we beat FSU and beat Louisville, that means that maybe they have turned the corner. But, hey, it's a week-at-a-time thing, in my opinion. All right, guys, we got to run. Uh, we're almost out of show here, and i got a few guys that want to get on before we're done. But, uh, Kelvin, thank you so much for, for coming on, and uh, we'll have you again. Yeah, no thank you. And uh, we'll see what happens up in Tallahassee on uh, on Saturday. Always a, a a big week in the hurricane football season. So, guys, thank you very much. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Let's hope. Yeah. All right, Kelvin. Bruce, thank you. All right, that was uh, Kelvin Harris. Um, Bruce Warner, the voice of the fan. Our Sicilian oven point counterpoint segment. All right, I got 12 minutes left, and I got one, two, three, four, five. Six guys on the board. It's not going to be easy. Um, let's go uh, rapid fire and see what we can do. Start with the 504. You're live in Cane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Yeah, how you doing, man? It's Roland from New Orleans. What's up, Roland? Give it to me fast. What you got? Man, just uh, recruiting on uh, as far as O-line, D-line. Any, any new guys, any new prospects? I'm going to hold on, man. Uh, not at the moment, no. But but what I do like is it looks like the that they're doing some introspection, 
and um, you know, you're seeing the Riggins kid at IMG that I was never a big fan of. It looks like they're dropping him. It looks like they're dropping Andrew Smith. And to me, those are two positives. I've been saying that the recruiting class needs to get better. And if they're dropping those two and looking for better, I think that's a move in the right direction. Okay. Appreciate it, man. All right. All right, Roland. Yeah, we'll talk next week. Let's go to the 985. You're on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary Swagger for life. What's up, Swagger? Talk. What you got? Okay. So the Blake James interview, the Manny Diaz hire will end up being the focal point of Blake James as the AD of the University of Miami. The decision that he made to go that fast in hiring Manny. And it's going to be fascinating to see if everything that Blake James talked about during that interview, being serious about championships and serious about winning, translates through Manny into some of the changes he needs to make going into this offseason and what comes of 2020. Because if anybody understands what it takes to win at at Miami, I think it's Manny Diaz. Like you said, we all want him to be successful. But I think it's just going to be fascinating to see, as somebody else said, another caller said earlier, if he really has the guts and the gumption to do what it takes to make the changes to be able to make that come to fruition. Well, and, and even that might not be enough. I mean, listen, we all want him to be successful. There's no, that's undeniable. It doesn't mean that he has the toolbox that this job needs. This is one of the, this is one of the toughest head coaching jobs in college football now, in my opinion. No question. No question. No question. I mean, and you're taking a guy that's a first-year head coach that's never been a head coach before, that's never won at the uh, big on the level, who's never been a recruiter. It's 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 asking a lot. Well, we'll see. Well, look, well, look. Does he have? Does he have the, the Can he see that? Can he put? Oh, he's got the guts. Can, he's got the guts. Yeah, well, guts okay. isn't going to be a problem. Well, if, yeah, guts guts well, won't be a can problem. Can he see that? Can he bring in the people that he needs and make the changes that he needs? It, it's going to be a. They have to want to come. They have to want to come work for him. That's a big issue. The the best, oh, the okay. most talented guys, the best recruiters, they, they can work in a lot of places. You know they don't. They they have their they have their pick in a lot of cases. So it's not as easy as a lot of talk. A lot of talk about recruiting, Gary. Simple. Miami's lost its way, and I'm not talking about five stars, four stars, three stars, two stars. What was the one attribute Miami always recruited at every position, especially the skill position? Okay, the one that couldn't be taught, the one that Jimmy Johnson built this program on: speed. What what is what's it, what's you know this this kid Justin Hodges with the four nine forty? Are you kidding me? It's good that they're doing some introspection, like you were talking yep. about. I mean, it, that, I agree. He shouldn't even be on the list. Are you kidding me? Probably shouldn't uh, have been. But I give them credit that they're one by one, they're correcting their mistakes. So I give them credit for that, and you know we'll see what they end up uh, replacing them with at the end. All right, man. Give us a call next week. All right, thanks. Yep. Let's go to the five four zero. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing great. Who's this? Uh, this is Jason. What's up, Jason? Hey. Uh, thanks for having uh, Blake on. Uh, thanks for having that interview. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad he came on to answer some tough questions. I know we, I, I can go on and on. I agree with a lot of, a lot of guys that came on about. Our frustration with him. Um, I'm, I am surprised you brought up uh, Luke Fickle because he he was um, only an interim coach. 
We can only yeah, you know what? But the, they but they let him come back for the entire season, um, and it was his audition. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I th- I think you're right. I think the interim title was never taken off. But if they had success that year, he was going to be the head coach. But they didn't have success, and they had an opportunity right. to lure Urban Meyer, and they did it. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm glad you at least shot the question at Blake. I mean, uh, it's it's too bad that he doesn't. Um, it's just not possible. He doesn't seem to have a to be able to see the big picture. I mean, if you just hire a guy because you saw him lead the defense in practice and that's it and you're taken by how he interviews that's 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 really not being able to see the big picture of the vision for the program and yes he's talking about recruiting and yes we need to draw people in from all over the country but just as you said before um when when we were good we were getting most of the good players um in, in South Florida and that was our home base we can never abandon our home base so um it's. I, I'm not sure if he's the guy. I, I do. I do. I'm thinking one of two things: either he's just blowing smoke up us because he wants to do, be politically correct and support Manny, or maybe, maybe he will. Make no, I think he passionately believes everything he said. I don't think he's blowing smoke. I think he passionately believed everything he said. Well, um, I mean, I talk to Blake all the time. I, I he's not blowing. He he really believes everything he said. And maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. But if he's wrong, he's got to own it quickly because you can't let this linger like this yeah. with six, seven, eight win seasons for another four, four years or five years. Oh, OMG is all I got to say. Yeah, well, um, r- real quick, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I, I just I have a photographic memory. I remember everything on these boards. But um, way back in 2014, I think you were alluding to on your posting that he wanted to get rid of Golden, but Donna wanted – Donna Shalea didn't want to, and so we had to wait for the next year, and we know what happened. Was that was that true that he he was? Really I don't know. I, I don't. I never heard okay. that. I I never heard that that okay. that being true. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right, man. Uh, give us a call next week. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's go to the three five two. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Three five two. Going once. Going twice. All right, next week. Let's go to the 305. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing, man? Doing great. Who's this? Sino 305. Hey, what's up, Sino? What you got? Talk quick. Listen, man, I got to tell you, man, you did a great, great, great job. I mean, you really hit him with questions that I did not even think you were going to go at him with. Uh, I I promised you guys I would, that that I would, and, 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 and... and I didn't. Blake wasn't blindsided. I told he, Blake knew that that he was going to be asked tough questions. Yeah. The only thing honestly, asked, if he wasn't going to take tough questions and answer the real questions that you guys have, we wouldn't have done it. Like it wouldn't have that that interview tonight would not have happened. I mean, Blake, I give him a ton of credit. He's not high. He he wasn't looking to run and hide. Blake wanted to do that interview tonight, and I give him well, nothing but credit for it. He also needed to. He, need, he, he also needed to, to absolutely communicate with people. Um, no doubt. I think you did a great job, so I just want to commend you on that. I mean, truly, Thank you, man. truly amazing. You, you really blew me away. Um, with that being said, the only thing that I would that I was, you know, that I'm still curious about is, can we hold him and at least hear what his timelines and goals are? You know, so you know, if you if he's saying national championships, if he's saying ACC titles, well, what are the timelines that he's holding? Let's let, let let's be fair. Know? Let's be fair. Let's be fair for a second. How can he have a timeline? 
I mean, let's be honest. I mean, right now they're yeah. just trying to survive this one season. I mean, how can he sit right. there and say, I need Manny to deliver me a championship within three years or I'm getting rid of him? It, it just doesn't work like that. You know, I mean, right. your timeline is the next day. How can you make things better the next day? And if you're not doing business like that, then you're never going to reach your destination point anyway. Yeah, but at least we can, we as fans can sort of, you know. Listen, what if they, what like if they go, more... what, what, what if they win six games this year and then win seven games next year? Do you want to hear that there's three more years in the timeline? Well, we want to know. Yeah, we want to know what his actual expectations but are. But wouldn't it change? If you, if you said four years or five years to begin with, and you go six wins in, in, in 2019, and you go seven wins in 2020, do you want to hear so that there's a timeline think, of two more years? Not really. If you're not going to want to hear it. We want to know what – yeah, but when you mentioned – You're not going to want to hear it, Sino. Trust me, you're not going to want to no, hear I get it. What, I get if, we're sitting, I get... if we're sitting here a year from I... now, and, and next season goes like this season – you're not going to want to hear there's two more years to some timeline. I want to hear it, but I mean, at least no. at least he can shoot it somewhat straight. We can have some tangible uh, information behind all of this uh, national well, championship. Well, he gave. He, he said national championship for seven years now. Okay, we've never. Yeah, that's know, ridiculous. Close. But he and he, he gave Manny a five year contract. Gave him a five year contract. So there's your timeline. <laughs> okay. I mean, so on the next, now, so on the next on the next thing that I can ask. So uh, in in your during the press conferences with Mandy Diaz, is it would there be a possibility for you to ask, you know, whether we lose a game or during those times where you start kind of giving the the tough questions, could you hold them to a you know when he starts talking about the standard and he starts talking about you know what their expectations are and goals, is there a way that you can get some at least ask the question of. Okay, well, what what kind what are the goals for University of Miami, and what are and what are the timelines behind it? You talking about Manny? To get, yeah, the Manny. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can just I can flat tell you, Manny's goals are everything are everything. Like he's he's trying to 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 win every game and 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 get get to the promised land. Now that doesn't mean well, that doesn't mean that he can, can do it, can but that's what he wants to, to do. I would love if you can ask them the the question and see if they'll give you an answer on that. You know, okay, I understand, Manny, that you, you know that you this is your first year. What is what is an acceptable record for Miami next year? You know, what what is the goal? Maybe the word is not acceptable. Maybe what is your goal for next year? You know, is it acceptable to 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 just win the coastal or or does it have to be this or that? You know what I mean? Let's. I just want to get some more tangible information from these guys as to what they what their goals are and what what are what are the standards that they talk about? You know, because you know All what right, the man. fan standards are. You know what Sino, I mean? You thank – yep, absolutely. Thank you, man. Thank you for being part of the show. Give no, us a call you, next week. Thank you, man. You did great, and it was amazing. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, listen, guys, uh, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, next week, the Canes basketball team opens against Louisville on Tuesday night. Okay, and I think we all of us that can go to that game should go. I'm going to go, so we're not going to have Kane Sport Live next Tuesday. Um, going to move it uh, – I think we're going to move it to Wednesday. Yeah, we're going to move it to Wednesday. So uh, we'll have Kane Sport Live uh, next Wednesday night, next week, uh, hopefully talking about a victory at Florida State. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, I want to thank Blake James profusely for his time this evening. I hope at least you got some insight into what's going on inside his mind. I want to thank Kelvin Harris, Bruce Warner – for the Sicilian Oven Point Counterpoint segment. I want to thank Sicilian Oven 
As always, visit one of their six locations this week if you're in South Florida and um, try them out and see why so many of us um, have made them our go-to spot for pizza and great Italian food. You got the location at Plantation at the Fountains Complex off University. You got the Aventura location, 205th and Biscayne. You got the uh, Lighthouse Point location at the shops at Beacon Light, uh, where they just expanded their outdoor dining area. Uh, you got the Coral Springs location, Sample Road and 101st, Boca Raton location, and then that location on Oakland Park Boulevard, just west of Bayview in Fort Lauderdale, that has the full liquor bar. So uh, go give Sicilian Oven a visit here this week. For those of you that are going to Tallahassee this weekend, I will see you there. Make sure you say hello if we bump into each other. Always a pleasure meeting everybody, at home, not just at home, but also on the road. And um, until then, we'll say uh, good night, everybody.